Welcome back to the fourth and final episode of Softball Media Days. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury here. We have traveled through the SEC in the previous three episodes with three coaches in each show. Now we've got four. Tom, we're at the end of the road. How do you feel? I, I feel good. Like I said, I, I'm pleasantly surprised and to the point of being shocked that we got this done. <laughs> that this is actually happening. We're going to do a little bit of patting on the back at the end and a lot of thank yous at the end, but we did this. We got all 13 head coaches, not just coaches, head coaches in the SEC, the best and deepest conference currently in college softball to talk to us. And everyone was really great. We wrapped up interviews this week. Everyone was great. I mean, I don't know how we did it, honestly. Yeah. And now, because I remember when we first started talking about this, We were like, all right, so we'll put the over-under of getting like seven or eight coaches and then, you know, thinking maybe we'll get some media members or, you know, maybe find an assistant coach or somebody else out there. Never did we really think we're going to get all 13 head coaches. We managed to do it somehow. My goal was 10. I wanted to get 10, and we got 13. Yes. I mean, shoot for the stars, you hit something. So Might as well. Go for it. All, all they can do is say no, and no one did, and we appreciate it. That's right. So thank you to everybody. Here are the four that we've got on tap for episode four. Alabama, South Carolina, Georgia, and Ole Miss. So Patrick Murphy, Bev Smith, Lou Harris, Champer, and Jamie Traxel, Tom. Quite a quartet. You've got two of the coaches who've been in the league the longest, two of the winningest coaches currently in the SEC. Bev Smith with uh, South Carolina, who's really bringing that program back up. And then the new kid, Jamie Traxel, who just took the job, what, four or five months ago? So mm-hmm. a, a real array of coaches here. A really good variety of coaches, coaching styles, coaching pedigrees. And also, I think it, it's an interesting variety of teams in the conference as well and the expectations that each of these four teams have. Obviously, everyone always has the ultimate expectation of, you know, trying to win the league and, and, and going even bigger and better than that. But, you know, you, you look at where, you know, when we do a preseason poll of where we think the teams will land, we probably will be kind of all over the place with these four teams. So uh, we'll see where everything lands. But uh, very interesting, I think, array of coaches we have here. Yeah, and we will do our own, quote unquote, preseason poll in no particular order, our top five, way too early in the SEC going into 2021. I have seven listed right now i'm gonna have to cut it to five at some point (laughs) because that that was one of the things is like after you talk to each coach you're like well these these guys can really you know are gonna make a lot of noise and they have a real chance everyone can't be there (laughs) you know all 13 can't win it so it's gonna be Uh, unfortunately math right checks out in that regard okay so trophies in the sec absolutely not so typically we would preview the team right before we talk to the coach, our first team is Alabama. I think we've previewed and discussed and dissected everything about the program possible, more than I can guarantee this, anyone else has across the country in the last three years. But was there one main takeaway that you had from this off season and also from talking to Patrick Murphy, the interview all of you are about to hear right now that really sticks with you and, and gets you ready for 2021? Well, the thing is, and Coach Murphy does uh, refer to it during the interview, but Alabama's program and Alabama's roster is to the point depth-wise with all the talent that's there where you can lose somebody 
that you weren't expecting to lose the caliber of Skylar Wallace and think that I don't really think there's going to be a whole lot of change. I don't, I don't really think it's going to make be that big of a blow. Most people, if you lose somebody like Skylar Wallace, who has an, is an all American level player, even with people coming back, it's still going to be an issue. You look at what Alabama has, you were still trying to, you know, we, you're trying to find a, what the lineup was going to be with everybody to try to get everybody in there. So I, it's going to be amazing to see, I think, really how the program's really going to keep on rolling and not really miss a beat, even with the loss of somebody the caliber of Skylar Wallace. I am really curious how Patrick Murphy will juggle pitching. This year, I think Alabama fans will be excited to hear what Coach Murphy says about Montana Fouts in this interview. But I think in 2021, we will finally get the full, healthy pitching staff, fingers crossed, knock on wood, that it looks like 2020 might be. And Coach Murphy can actually, and Steph as well, Coach Stephanie Van Brakel Prothrow, of course, who, by the way, has had the new baby. Congratulations to Steph. Congrats, yes. Yes, they can actually play around with this with this pitching staff this upcoming year. Yeah, you can do a lot more matchups. Uh, you can uh, you know, not necessarily have the the same starters all you know all weekend, just because you know you have that depth and you can play it based on matchups instead of you know who's healthy enough to pitch today. Uh, so yeah, there's going to be I think there's going to be a lot of that going on. There's no there's no spot where you know, last year it was all about who was going to be the catcher until Abby Dora finally got in, in the door and, and was able to, to play. But, I say you know, she, Thank you. Uh, but she, you know, coming, she should have been a senior in high school at that time. But now she's had all this time to get acclimated. That I, I, I don't see a weakness on this team right now, which is, it's so, it's, it's going to be really fun to see this team finally get on the field and play. If you have a right side of the infield, that's Bailey and Bailey, great. We weren't going to be able to see a lineup with Bailey Hipple and Bailey Dowling in it. But, you know, one of the silver linings of what happened in 2020 was you get all these seniors back and uh, all new possibilities are there. We will obviously preview Alabama a lot deeper in the season three premiere. So that's what we're going to say about the tide right now. Let's let Coach Murphy take it away. How about it, Tom? Let's do it. All right. Interview one for episode four of Softball Media Days. Alabama head coach Patrick Murphy right now. Continuing on with Softball Media Days, it is time to visit with the coach who is closest to us, and that would be the head coach of the University of Alabama, Patrick Murphy, entering his 23rd season in Tuscaloosa. Technically, I guess, still reigning SEC Coach of the Year and reigning SEC champion, Alabama Crimson Tide. Coach, welcome back. How are you? Hey, Gray. That that uh, that seems like it was five years ago. It's crazy <laughs> how long these last however many months it's been, have taken. But we're all doing well. We had um, a really, really good fall. Most, all of us stayed healthy, knock on wood. Um, but we learned a lot, and we've learned a lot about COVID and all the uh, things that we need to do to, to avoid it. And luckily for us, we've already talked to you about 2020 in previous episodes, so we can focus right now on what's coming down the pipe in 2021. And I think we have to start with what was kind of a lead offseason story in your program, and that was the transfer of Skylar Wallace. That does leave a position. Uh, she was a consistent starter in the infield. So how do you try and replace her this upcoming year? Well, yeah, she's, I think she started every game that she played here. Um, 
So this is, I mean, if it would happen any other year, uh, this would be the year because we've got the seven seniors back. And, you know, when you combine last year's freshmen with this year's freshmen, it's nine freshmen. So it's a huge senior class and it's a huge freshman class. But we've got really good depth and almost two at every position. So, you know, it's just like next person up. And, you know, we had a good fall with Claire's back, Alyssa's back, um, you know, and they're both healthy. Um, Cal is almost to the point where she can um, do everything. So we're, we're fairly healthy, you know. So we have 22 on the roster. That's the most we've ever had and a lot of depth. As we're talking about what's what happened, what's happened so far in fall as you guys uh, finish that up, but um, have you seen, not that they didn't have it before, but have you seen um, – some more like just appreciation of the players having an opportunity to, to play the game after the way things uh, were, were taken away from them in 2020. I definitely think so. You know, Alexis Mack has a countdown of days before we start. Um, Claire was just free and easy, just happy every day, just attitude of gratitude. You know, mm-hmm. Sarah is, always like that. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, but, but the seniors, it's, you know, it's a, it was a gift. So let's take advantage of it and really basically have fun because this is, this is probably it for most of them mm-hmm. in terms of softball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is where you really create a legacy with not only you get to, you get to affect basically two freshman classes. So those nine girls, um, they they can, learn a bunch from this senior class and take a lot from them and hopefully so and you know four years down the road when we're talking about going to the world series or winning an sec championship hopefully one of them will say you know man i learned a lot from that senior class in 21 they were great great people and you know they left a legacy that's gonna live forever within our program Coach, one of the biggest questions for your program coming into 2020 was behind the plate. You lost Reagan Dykes, but you are able to bring in Abby Dorr, get her out of high school early. Now you've kind of got a couple more pieces to play with behind the plate. How's that position looking going into 2021? Well, first, Abby, you know, just kudos to her for what she did to get here. And then, um, you know, she was another one that really deserved another year. So I was glad that you know, that was basically a kind of a redshirt year, but she's so much different. She's a lot more relaxed. She's talking a lot more. She obviously knows the pitchers a lot more. She knows the team defense. She knows us. So she, she had a really, really good fall on her, the last scrimmage. Uh, she had a three run home run and then, um, an RBI single as well. So she was starting to hit the ball really well. And she just, when her barrel meets ball, it is a violent um, collision. Mm-hmm. So I think she's going to do good things for us. And then Bailey Hempel, um, she caught some in the fall too. And then KJ Haney, a freshman from Georgia. So we've got really three options there. Um, basically all three of them at first base, you know, they could flip flop or any of them could DP when the other one isn't catching. So, you know, and Bailey and KJ are right-handed hitters and right-handed throwers. Abby's a right-handed thrower, but she hits left-handed. So, 
you know, it's it's a bonus when we we face another right-handed pitcher if she's catching. Um, so I think we're going to be fine back there. Coach, uh, KB Sidesley in the 2020 season was on her way to what looked like was going to be an All-American type season. Uh, what have you seen from her in the fall and, and what will you be looking for her to do in 2021? I think, you know, we one day, um, it was about a week ago, but we had outfielders uh, doing do or dies, which, you know, it's a ground ball and they have to throw somebody out at the plate or third base, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to win a game like the bottom of the seventh or whatever. And we're up one to nothing. And, you know, her arm is stronger. Um, her defense is better. She was consistent with the barrel. She was a lot better with her short game. And, you know, after the practice was over, I said, you know, do you guys know what a five-tool player is? And some of them did and most of them didn't. But, you know, I said, this is how Major League Baseball scouts gauge or, you know, how they decide kind of who they're going to draft. And I said, KB, you're, you're as close to anybody on this team to being a five-tool player. Mm-hmm. Um, Haley McClenney was, Kelly Kretschmann was. Um, you know, we've had some really, really good athletes that were, but it's kind of few and far between. And, you know, there, there might be, they might be a little bit short with their arm. They might be a little bit short with their power, you know, just here and there. But there's rarely a kid that has them all, but she does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's not that big, but she's got major pop. And she still, she has one of the farthest home runs hit, according to our Rapsodo uh, measurement. Um, I think it was 268 in a practice. So, you know, she can lay it down for a drag butt, slap, or hit it in a gap or over the fence. And, that's why we really loved her, you know, leading off, but also in the three hole, because you really don't know what to do with her. Because mm-hmm. if you play her too deep, she's just going to pop it in, you know, over the infield. And if you come in, she's going to put it over your head. Yeah. So uh, still, she needs to improve her strike zone awareness. She chases a little bit too much. So we talked about chase rate this fall, and that's one thing that she could definitely improve on. Alabama head coach Patrick Murphy joining us here for Softball Media Days. Coach, when we had Stephanie Van Brakel Prother on in 2019, one of the questions I asked her was how she managed as big a pitching staff as she'd ever had to. Now you've got a pitching staff that is somehow bigger in 2021 with everything that went on. How do you put all those pieces together? Where does everybody fit in in that staff? Well, kudos to Steph, and I said this to her on the last day of, you know, that was my biggest question mark going into the fall was the six pitchers. What are we going to do with everybody? Steph is pregnant. Um, basically she's in her last couple of weeks here. Um, so that was a lot on her. Mm-hmm. So kudos to our managers and our, our catchers. They, they did a lot of catching this fall and then, you know, the pitchers. So they know that they're part of a staff and that's one thing that, we've had going for us for years and years and years is um, team before me. And, you know, the freshman learned a lot, you know, it's crazy to say Kilfoyle is a freshman, but she is <laughs> um, Montana, you know, she's a sophomore. So I thought she looked a lot better 
I thought Kilfoyle looked a lot better. Um, and then two seniors who, you know, this is now their third year in the SEC. Mm. So, um, and then the two freshmen. So if, if it turns out that we play a reduced schedule, um, there's a chance that both freshmen could redshirt this year. Um, cause I'm not sure with six pitchers and a reduced schedule, how smart that would be to, to not redshirt them. Right. So we've talked about it a little bit and they know, and their parents know. Um, so we'll see what happens. Glad you brought up Montana coach, because one of the things that she said to me after the season was over was, Hey, what happened in 2020? I'm never letting that happen again. Does she kind of look like old Montana that we saw in her freshman year? No, she looks like new Montana. Better better than um, old Montana? Wow. Yes. Different pitches, more pitches, more movement. Uh, Changeup was great. Um, so just – and still one of the hardest workers, definitely the hardest working pitcher still. But just one of those kids that comes along, you know, kind of a once-in-a-coaching lifetime and great kid, no ego hard worker, good leader, good student, you know, she's got them all. She's like the five tool pitcher. Mm -hmm. So just a great kid. And I think everybody really appreciates that she's wearing crimson and white. And I think she's going to have a great year. You mentioned uh, Claire and how she was doing so well here in the fall after uh, missing last season with the, uh, with the knee injury. Uh, What, what, what have you seen from her in the fall? And then how much does she bring, bring back, into this infield? Well, one of the best things about having Claire this year is she gets a chance to mentor Bailey Dowling, who's a freshman infielder, and they basically played side-by-side in almost every practice because they took most of the reps at shortstop. Both of them went to second, and then Claire also would go to third. So Claire could legitimately play any of the four infield positions and be fine, you know probably be one of the best defensive players, you know, on the field at whatever spot. So, but just her talk and her mental um, game and just her experience by helping Bailey, it's just going to pay off big time in the future. Um, and that is one of the coolest things about this is Dowling gets to, gets to, you know, stand next to Claire in practices and learn from her. Um, so she's doing fine. Good defense as usual. She's going to probably get a bunch of RBIs and be a run producer for us, uh, on offense, still one of the best quality at bat ratios of anybody and on base percentage. Cause she still walks, you know, she's got a really good strike zone awareness. Coach, I'm really glad you brought up Bailey Dowling because it is no secret that I'm already a huge fan of hers and I've yet to see her field a ball or or take a swing in the box. How is her development going and what did she show you in fall ball, not just in the field, but also at the plate? Well, she's got, you'll notice that she's got power, but the power is from ankles to shoulders. And I've never really had a kid like that because, you know, we throw a low pitch, not on purpose, but just throw a low pitch, and she'd golf at 2.30, and then I'd throw a high pitch, and it would be at her shoulders, and she'd hit it about 2.60. So, you know, I good. said, That's good. might need to shrink. <laughs> yeah. 
But, you know, we might need to shrink that a little bit (laughs) because, um, you know, it's going to be a little bit harder with a little more movement. Um, So we've been working on that, just being consistent. You know, this is one of the hardest falls that we've had, not only because of COVID, but we didn't play anybody else. We played Alabama each weekend. So basically every Saturday and Sunday of October, we scrimmaged. And, you know, as a freshman, she's facing Montana and Kilfoyle and Crystal and Sarah every weekend. So it was a little bit of a challenge at first, but I think it's going to be good for them because I, we said all fall, you know, if I'm struggling, I am learning. Okay. If I'm struggling, I'm learning. I don't stink. You know, I'm not horrible. I'm learning. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate the struggle and realize that you're going to get better. Because if it was, if we were beating, you know, the teams that we usually play in fall ball, 15 to nothing, we're not going to know anything about ourselves. Right. So, but on the other side of it, the pitchers got to see our hitters too. So, you know, get to see Bailey Hempel for, you know, another chance, which is good for the pitchers. So it was very competitive. You know, I was telling you earlier, almost every scrimmage was a tie except for the last one. Um, very well played, you know, so it, it was, it was fun. Uh, Bailey Dowling, one of the more heralded, uh, recruits that you've had come in for a while, but it's a really good freshman class you have coming in. What have you seen from the other freshmen? Well, I think both pitchers are going to be very good. You know, um, they both improved. Um, obviously, you know, when you come from high school or summer ball to college, the lineups become that much tougher and you could, you could see at the beginning, like, you know, they would bear down one through four and then all of a sudden we'd score three runs and it was five, six, seven, eight, nine that were doing the damage. So they had to learn that every batter has potential. Every batter uh, doesn't matter if she's hitting one or nine, she can take you out of the park and you, you can't have a letdown. So mentally they're probably really, really tired um, so, but they're, they're going to be fine. Um, both of them have good pitches and, you know, we'd sit behind home plate on almost every scrimmage and they ran the bases on their own and they could decide what they wanted to do. But, mm. you know, every third or fourth, it was a nasty pitch. And so it's just like every other pitcher, you know, they have to learn that, you know, you got to go four for four or three for four at least and then hit your spot on the last one. Um, and, you know, it's it's just it's early, but they'd have some really, really good pitches, and then they'd throw one down the middle. So, and but they'll be fine. Um, another kid that really improved was Jenna Johnson. Um, you know, she was with us last year, but uh, I think that year is going to help her a lot. Um, and obviously we have a very strong outfield with, two seniors and KD. Um, so it's, it's going to be very competitive to get in the lineup for sure. Coach, if we zoom out, what does the 2021 season of college softball look like to you? What are, what are we, what do we need to get ready for this upcoming year? Well, probably a lot of unknowns. So we're not sure about the schedule yet. Hopefully, you know, I'm praying that since we're an outside sport and, you know, we're not doing anything inside and P 
people can separate in our big stadium and hopefully we'll have fans. Um, hopefully we'll get to play non-conference games. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, that's a big deal for everybody else and everybody in the SEC, including baseball coaches. Um, you know, because we got cut so short last year and hopefully things will start to improve, but you know, just like soccer and volleyball this, this fall, and you guys probably know this, but coach Hart, he didn't know his schedule until about 12 days out. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, Tom, you know, Tom's the, is a PA at soccer. So he's probably wondering where the heck is the schedule, but <laughs> nobody knew it. I got it. Yeah, then, I couldn't. I couldn't make out my calendar. I didn't know what was happening. Yeah, and then Lindsey Devine, you know, the volleyball coach, they kind of lucked out because the start of their schedule wasn't until like mid-October. Mm-hmm. So they had some time where they could do all their arrangements and stuff. So, but we, I've tried to talk to as many conferences as I can to see what what other people are doing and. You know, if they're testing at the same rate that the SEC is, and a lot of them are, which is a good thing. So I think one of the keys is if whoever we're playing, you know, can they test like we test? And so far, I think it's pretty much 100%. So, but, yeah, as you guys know, everything changes mm-hmm. rapidly. Right. And I think a lot of it depends on what happens in basketball. You know, hopefully they'll get – you know, all of their season in and it'll be good for basketball and fans will be okay. And gymnastics will have their fans. They'll have a good season. So, you know, just a lot of question marks still. I wish I knew, you know, I wish I knew what was going to happen, but unfortunately I don't. That's 2020. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> we have no idea. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think it could be a really, really fun year, an incredible year for softball because, you know, I think people were just starting to really get into it, um, especially the Olympics were going to happen again. And now, you know, that obviously was postponed. But I think it could be a really, really um, big year for college softball, for Olympic softball, uh, just the game itself, because I think everybody's missed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I see people at the gas station or Publix or church or, you know, even at the gym. You know, asking, are you going to get to play? Are you going to get to play? And so a lot of people are excited. Coach, something I've been asking every uh, every coach here during our softball media days is uh, coming off of what happened in the Major League Baseball World Series was uh, the big story coming out was analytics. And, you know, Tampa Bay used it to get there, but then it kind of bit them there in game six. And I just wanted to ask, how do you use analytics uh, in your preparation and then actually in – your managing of games? Well, it depends on how many um, opportunities we have to study the other team. Because mm-hmm. let's say it's somebody that, like first weekend out, there's nothing on this year. We could have stuff from last year, but then you have all these new freshmen, so mm-hmm. you have no idea, right? Right. Now, it's somebody in the SEC that we've played for three years or four years, Let's say it's a senior. Now it's five years. So we uh, have programs that tell us where they hit and, you know, tendencies and stuff like that. So we'll definitely do defensive things. Steph obviously keeps her pitching charts, you know, from all time. Right. So she's got every pitch that she's thrown against every batter that we faced, conference, non-conference, whatever. Um, 
you know, but I was watching the game just like you guys, and I tweeted something like, why take him out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and they started talking about everything. And, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is if I did everything by the book, Jazz Lunsford never would have hit right. for Brittany Rogers in the World Series. It, you know, I probably wouldn't have been allowed to do it if I was the manager of the Rays. Right. But, you know, it, you don't, that stuff, it doesn't tell you what they're doing in practice because Jazz was working her butt off in practice and she was hitting as good as anybody. She just hadn't had any chances in the game. So, but she was killing it in practice and she felt good. And, you know, that's why she got to hit that night for Brittany Rogers and, you know, you guys know what happened. She had an opposite field grand slam and we win the game, but, um, and that was a gut call. That wasn't, you know, something on paper. So I think there's a time and a place for it, but I I agree. I don't remember what, um, it was a Ken Rosenthal. Somebody wrote a opinion piece about it that was killing the game of baseball. And, um, you know, I agree with some of it, but you're, you're taking away the gut feeling of all these managers that, you know, some of them have been in it for years and years and years. Um, some of them, like a David Ross, that's only been in it for what one or two years. You know, he might he might need a little more help from his analytic department. But some other guys, it's I don't know. It takes kind of the fun out of the game as the coach. Talking with head coach Patrick Murphy of the Alabama Crimson Tide, coach. Before we let you go, I, I did want to get your opinion on another question we've been asking everybody, and that's uh, if you woke up tomorrow and you were proclaimed the czar of college softball, what is one change, whether it be rules, scheduling, how how anything in the sport works, what is one change that you would want to implement? Hmm. Boy, i got to think about that it, one, Greg. It's a loaded question. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a lot of responsibility, I but well, I, you know, I'm, I'm behind you, though. So many years at the World Series, you know, it was there was a portable fence. There was no warning track. Um, there were so many things at the World Series that after we were done, I'd, I'd I guess, complain about or suggest in our post uh, World Series evaluations. No bathroom in the dugout. Okay, they they've taken care of all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, the coverage is better. Obviously, we're on TV all the time. Um, maybe, uh, replay it world series or postseason, let's say, you know, and we're doing it. Hopefully when, when we get to host the SEC tournament, we're, we're going to do it at the tournament like we did mm-hmm. in 19. So, but not this constant replay from, you know, the Notre Dame Clemson game the other night. Yes. Um, let's not see and, that in and, softball. <laughs> No, and then then a, a professional game that I watched the next day, I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's worse than the pros." Yeah, and it's almost ever just just I almost said, "Why do we have referees? Why do we have them out there? We don't need officials anymore. Just let the game, you know, every play or every call just go on replay." Yeah, it's like why are you why are you paying these people if you're going to replay every single play? That's just that's too much too much so what was some other answers 
We've heard everything from oh, how the committee your, looks. What was your favorite? I, well, I, I mean, anything talking about the RPI and how yeah, that needs committee, to change. Right. Uh, but the, uh, something we've had several coaches say was that they would like to see the same uh, pitching rules, basically, in all levels of the sport. Uh, because you, that way you're not having to teach a, a, a different a different a pitcher coming in uh, not to rock back or to come off the, the rubber, those type of things. Yeah. But uh, well, one thing that I think might help the future of the game is continuing to use the smaller ball and a shorter pitching distance at younger ages because I think they've they've went to the 12 inch ball and a 43 foot too soon. And there's a lot of girls at 14 and under that can't do that with a bigger ball and a farther distance to pitch from. And I think you know we've we've seen this like little bit of a stretch where. Um, pitching might not be as um, deep around the country, but I think that's one of the reasons why was, you know, and if you're not a gritty kid and you get hit all over the place, you know, you're, you're saying to coach, Hey, let me, can I play shortstop? Mm. Cause you know, if, if they're, if they're running the whole game as the pitcher and, and they're losing or getting hit, they're going to go to a different position. Or they're going to say to mom and dad, "I don't want to do this anymore." So that—that's maybe one of the things that I would suggest. And it used to be that way, yeah. and smaller hands, smaller ball, you know. But that might be one of mine. Last thing before we let you go, uh, you mentioned it before, but how excited are you that the decision was made to go ahead that Tuscaloosa is going to be able to host the SEC tournament again in twenty twenty one? Well, I really appreciated uh, Commissioner Sankey, but also there were several coaches on the call, SEC softball coaches, that were in favor of it too. So I really appreciated that. Um, you know, shoot, we, I can't, I don't even know how, how much money we refunded in tickets from last year, but I know it was a lot. And we were probably close to a sellout for all four, four days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. Mm. You know, so, and maybe by then we could have full capacity and, I just know it's going to be a great event, and I know our fans will make it a a championship atmosphere for every team that's here. Well, Coach, I'm really excited to give you a high five if we can, or a knuckle, or something once the season <laughs> finally starts. Because goodness gracious, this has been the longest off season ever, literally and figuratively. And I know you're just as excited as we are to have the season finally come up. And it was great to preview that 2021 season with you tonight. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. Absolutely. And there's Patrick Murphy. Always fun. Our most oh, yeah. interviewed guest. Yeah? Uh, yeah, I would think so. He and Jen Schroeder have got to be up there. Yeah. And, of course, Emily Pizak, of course. we got. Of know, course. Yeah. She's in, on that list as well, and we can't wait to have all our regulars back as well when we get rolling here for season three. But uh, I think we got a lot of good stuff from Coach Murphy there. He seems very excited about his team, as as I would certainly be if, if I had that roster. I'd be very excited, too. So uh, really excited to see what uh, what the team will look like once they finally get out on the field. Yeah, the puzzle pieces are going to be fun. Where do you put Jenna Johnson? Is she the most dangerous pinch hitter in America? What about Savannah Woodard? She started for pretty much all of 2020. Does she suddenly not have a spot in the lineup? 
Or does she push Bailey Dowling and make Bailey Dowling really have to earn it? I'm really excited. I think you're right. I think this is a dangerous team. That is about as 5,000 feet a take as I can make. Obviously, we're the Alabama radio team. There's a little bit of bias there. But it's hard to ignore just how dangerous this lineup can be when they're healthy and when they play to their potential because there were games last year when it wasn't necessarily problems with the pitching. It was the offense disappearing in some games. And that is not something I expect to see very often in 2021. Because of the depth that's on this roster, there's not going to be, uh, and we'll see how even how the schedule goes, uh, but with the roster and the schedule as it is, I don't think there's going to be a situation where someone is struggling and you have to keep putting her out there for game after game after game. If you're struggling, somebody else can step in. Yep. And so it, it's, I think that's going to be uh, something that'll be interesting to see as we move forward too. All right, next up, South Carolina. My team, the team that I bought into in 2020, they were bit by the injury bug. I don't know if it was the Gray Robertson curse. I'm not sure. (laughs) But either way, they're getting a lot of these people back and healthy. And similarly to Alabama, the pitching staff looks ready to go in 2021. And we're going to talk to Bev Smith about that in just a moment. But before we get to Coach Bev Smith, the head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, we're back. That ad just gets better and better. Every Those episode. voiceover guys are hilarious. <laughs> they do. The script is great. Quality <laughs> back and forth banter. Just incredible. Well done. Well done by everyone involved. <laughs> All right, Bev Smith. South Carolina looked on paper like they were going to be the dark horse of 2020. I bought in. They've got a lot of the offensive people back. A couple pieces left, but with a healthy pitching staff coming in, this is a team that I think – can get back to that spot. The problem is they have to replace Jana Johns, a transfer you left for Oklahoma, one of the best third basemen in the conference, and a departure that Bev Smith didn't see coming. Obviously, we didn't, and that is the real question mark for the Gamecocks right now. Yeah, and that's something we've seen. We're, we're going to talk about that. I think we talked about it with all four of the coaches here today, the transfer portal and the, the transfers that are happening this year that might not be happening any other year because of all the craziness that's going on and John's getting caught up in that. And uh, we'll, we'll see how um, they're able to replace her production. And just like some of the other coaches we've talked about, the problem is no one else is getting worse. So uh, right. South Carolina is going to have to jump some people uh, even in doing that to reach back to that level. But there, there's still a, a possibility of a, you know, a regional host. I think to be a super regional host would be a little bit optimistic for them, but uh, I, I think they're they're definitely an opportunity to be in the top half of the conference, if nothing else. For sure. All right, Bev Smith, it's her time. So here is the South Carolina head coach, Bev Smith, her conversation with us for Softball Media Days. Take a listen. Can 
Continuing on with Softball Media Days, it is time to take a look at the South Carolina Gamecocks as we get everybody ready for the 2021 college softball season. And we are delighted to be joined by the head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks, Bev Smith, entering her 11th year in Columbia. Coach, welcome in. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm great. Thank you. Well, we're really excited to talk about a lot of things. We're going to try and fly through a bunch of topics, but I did want to get to the big story in 2020 for your team, which was unfortunately injuries in the circle. You had Kelsey O go out. Kayla Drotar got hurt as well. I think she was going to come back uh, right before the season uh, was cut short. You might be able to correct that. But how are they doing right now? Are they ready? Have they done the rehab to be prepared for 2021? Yeah, I think I think that will be our big topic of conversation. Uh, you're right. We were bit by the injury bug in 2020. Um, Kayla Drotar was on her way back when the season ended. Uh, we were going to get Drotar back, but Kelsey O um, had a season-ending injury. So, in fact, as soon as we sent the teams, we dismissed the teams for COVID, Kelsey actually got on a flight uh, and flew to Minnesota for surgery on her foot. But uh, the good news is that she had all of COVID to recover and rehab, and she's back and throwing very well. So um, she threw oh, probably three or four innings in our scrimmage this fall, um, but I wasn't so worried about that. I'm, I want to make sure she's ready to go in February. Well, it was really impressive with those two out. You got a lot out of Carson Oaks, and I remember in our last show, right before everything was shut down, we were talking to Amanda Scarborough, and she was just raving about Oaks and how impressive she is and the fire that she showed. How much fun was it to to have a pitcher who could step up like that and really showed that she belongs in the rotation in 2021? Well, she had some impressive outings for us, and it's unfortunate we didn't get to see how that played out, but that was one thing I kept emphasizing to our team is we were, we were really down our one and two pitcher and we were still winning. And I just think that our other pitchers stepped up in those situations and our team, our team played well behind them. So for me, that was a, that was a big positive for us that we kept playing. We didn't put our heads down because our one and two pitchers were out. And Carson Oaks was, was that person that really stepped up in that role for us. Coach, you you mentioned that how the team was still winning despite the all the injuries. What what was it that you learned from your team in the shortened twenty twenty season, and then uh, how did they respond when everything did get shut down? Well, it was disappointing because I think I I think that team had had high aspirations to go to go on in postseason and go deep in postseason, and I think um, we had the team to do it. And I think part of that was the confidence that we had in our senior class with. Mac Bozel, Lauren Stewart, KK Drotar, and Kenzie McGuire. And so thankfully for us, all of our, I call them COVID seniors now. I said, so all of our COVID seniors have returned. So um, it's been really neat to watch them this fall. I would say in a mentor type role where, where you've got, we added a group of 10 freshmen. So our COVID seniors have really, uh, have really stepped in and, and been great for our, our, our new, our rookies. But, uh, but last season, I just think we were well-led. We had some great seniors who were resilient, and, uh, and I think it gave the young pitchers a lot of confidence on the mound. Yeah, I want to get to all the newcomers and all the returners, but unfortunately one of the big storylines for your team was the departure of Jana Johns, who transferred. She's now at Oklahoma. Uh, how do you yeah. go to replacing her because she was one of the best defensive third basemen that we had in this conference? 
Yeah, I tell you what, that's been one of the exciting things. Um, we have a freshman that came in named Zoe Leno. Um, just keep keep that name in mind as, as you watch the season unfold this year. But she's an outstanding athlete and a big time hitter uh, from the left side. She's going to be she is going to be fun to watch. She actually got hurt this fall, so I'm hoping that when she recovers and is healthy, um, she's going to be one of those kids that'll be an all SEC player, all freshman team. She's going to be, she's going to be a lot of fun to watch. You mentioned uh, uh, Kenzie. What, what are some of the uh, things that you'll be looking for her and for the rest of your offense uh, to continue to progress coming up here this season? Well, I tell you, I think we'll look different offensively for sure. Um, with the addition of our freshman class, uh, we've added a lot of lefty. Um, I want to say seven out of our 10 signees are seven of our 10 rookies are left-handed so we added a lot more speed um specifically aj white for us will be an outfielder who swings and can drop the bunt but is has dangerous type speed uh, we've got other lefties that swing also and um can do more short games so i think for us that will be a different look of just creating a little bit more chaos um for teams on defense. So I think we'll have a new look in terms of even just the number of lefties we can bring to the plate. Well, you mentioned all those newcomers. You've got 27 on the roster. How do you go about putting all those pieces together? Because this is kind of a new challenge for coaches across the college softball landscape. Right. And everybody kept asking, well, what are you doing during COVID? And uh, I tell you, I spent a lot of time thinking about, well, how are you going to manage 27 people and um i I put a lot of time in that that and i and i always told my friends our problems are in front of us (laughs) so um i know a lot of coaches are facing some challenges now that we're back Um, but roster management is certainly one of them but i tell you one of the things that has come out of this is the competition at each position um i find that the level of play and practice has risen um as as a conference rule, we can only travel 22 players. So I think it's just going to continue to uh, to lift everybody up and the competition's going to, um, you know, be real between players at practice, which I think, which I think is great. Have you seen some of those, uh, maybe some under the radar people really uh, step forward here in the fall? Yeah, I think it's, um, and really, it's the learning curve for the freshmen. You know, I've got the COVID seniors who are on their fifth and sixth years here mm-hmm. um, who are just such veterans. They really have done a great job in the mentor role. Uh, and I think when the freshmen do things that frustrate them, they have to remember that they were doing those same things five and six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so they've been great, too, in terms of just uh, helping the freshmen along. But you can tell our freshman class is very talented, very athletic, and, and we're excited to, to get them on the field. So you probably will see several freshmen in our starting lineup. Talking with South Carolina head coach Bev Smith, and let's get to those freshmen. You've already mentioned Zoe Linnell, but what about the other nine? What have these newcomers brought to the roster, and what should we be looking out for in 2021? Well, you have to remember, this was the group that we brought in to replace Mackenzie Bozel and Kenzie McGuire in the middle. So our freshman class is middle infield heavy so we just have really great athletes so we've got some depth now in the middle um we're working other players on the corner we've moved some to the outfield 
Uh, AJ White is somebody I'm, I mentioned because of her speed. I expect to see her starting in the outfield for us. Um, I like I like the outfield that we can present that we'll be able to go catch balls with Lauren Stewart, AJ White, and likely Katie Preble, hmm. who um, Katie Preble is a senior, junior senior. <laughs> um, you, you never know what class people are in now because of right. COVID. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> But but Katie offers a tremendous amount of power at the plate, so our outfield I think will be um, will be really strong. And then, like I said, Katie Katie offers some some home run numbers for us, some power numbers for us as well. But uh, in the middle, Riley Blampede, uh as a middle infielder, Carly Robbins, and a freshman out of New York named Maddie Gallagher, um, all are terrific. And I could not tell you today which one of them are going to be in the lineup. Uh, all three of them are extremely capable, though. Coach, something I've been uh, asking uh, every coach that we've talked to here during our softball media days, and uh, it's something that came out of the uh, out of the World Series this year, and for Major League Baseball, was is about the use of analytics. Uh, you know, it it brought Tampa Bay to the dance, but then it kind of bit them in Game Six. And I just wanted to hear what your thoughts were about analytics. How much do you use it in your in your preparation and in actual? Uh, in your managing of games. Yeah, I think that's something that's certainly changed over the years and how available the analytics are. Um, the amount of information that we can gather in a, in a scouting report and that we go into games with. I think for as a coach, I would tell you I have a tremendous amount of information. My staff has a tremendous amount of information. We're really clear about how much we give the team. So... Um, we take the information that we have and we decide what we want to give to the team in terms of a scouting report. And then, um, and then I really try to, and I have my notes ready on game day, but I really try to make sure on game day that I go with my gut and not always the stat. (laughs) So the stat, the stat is in my mind and I'm clear about that. Uh, and I'm sure it guides me through decisions. Um, but I don't. Uh, I always want to make sure I go with my gut feel uh, on game day as well. So I, tr- I think I have a pretty good balance of the analytics and uh, and just gut feel and coaching experience. Coach Smith, what is the next step for your program? Because right now you're a consistent winner in the SEC, you're a consistent tournament team. But how do you make that leap to become a World Series contender the next couple seasons? Well, you know, we had the opportunity to host regionals in 2018 and I, I do think that's the next step if you can be the consistent if you can be consistently um, top 16 I think it's such a huge advantage to be able to host at home you know the statistics on teams that host at home advancing to the supers is tremendous so mm-hmm. um, I, I think one being t- uh, top 16 so you can host but really if you can get in that top nine um, and and host both rounds um, that just gets you to where, where you need to be. So, so for me, the consistency of uh, top 16. <clears throat> and then at that point, I think it's just about playing great softball because you've seen a lot of SEC games and you see sometimes how small the difference is between a win and a loss. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, I think it's making sure that your team's prepared, uh, that you play the schedule to try to schedule yourself into being one of the top 16 seeds and then, um, and then having the, the team 
with the mentality that's ready to go, go compete for a national title. Coach, I'm glad you bring up that 2018 season because just for the record, I had y'all as a top eight seed as we were filling out the bracketology. Not sure, honestly, how y'all did not get that, but uh, that was really quite a season for y'all. And that was uh, Kelsey O as well, just kind of bursting onto the scene in the SEC that year. That's right. That's right. That was an exciting. That was an exciting season. And when you go back and you look, we had to go to Arizona State. They were the eight and nine, and when you go back and you look at our our um, records that year, we had one bad loss, and that was the difference of being the eight and the nine. <laughs> and uh, and you know we had really comparable record to Arizona State. We just had a bad loss at home, and uh, and that probably cost us the ability to to host both rounds. But that that was a memorable and fun fun season. Coach, something we've been asking all the coaches as well uh, is that uh, if you woke up tomorrow and you got a call from uh, the powers that be over uh, college softball and they said, uh, Coach Smith, you are now the czar of college softball. You are in charge of everything. Is there What would they be one thing that you would look to uh, change, either rules-wise or uh, scheduling anything that, that could you – know, you have the power to change change anything. What would it be? Oh, wow. So yes. I need one clarification before I take over as czar. Um, is this during for this year dealing with COVID, or is this me, the czar, everything is back to normal? Uh, that's the first time someone's asked us that. Let's say, um, let's say just back to normal. If everything's back to normal, yeah. yeah. If I'm, I'm the czar of softball, I am, I'm going to allow everyone to have charter flights to their away games. Yes. I've worked. How about that? I'm 100% down with that. That sounds awesome. Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna go charter flights. What it so if you since you asked for the clarification, is there would be something different if you were if this was you know the COVID season? Yeah, if it's the COVID season, I'm gonna allow people to play, and um, <laughs> we're gonna play we're gonna play 56 games, and I'm gonna let everybody know that we might play a little more regional type schedules, but we are gonna move forward, and I'm I'm gonna go ahead and make the decision that let's get these schedules together and play 56. I love it. Coach, one more thing before we let you go. I wanted to ask you about, since you just brought up the regional schedules, with Clemson now being a program and they got off to such a great start last year, is that kind of a newfound challenge for you as it goes to recruiting and uh, whatnot as you have a rival who suddenly has a program in the ACC just a couple miles away? Yeah, I think it's it's fantastic for the sport of softball, honestly. I'm excited for our student athletes. I'm excited for our fans um, that we have a that we have a in-state rival. Um, the South Carolina Clemson rival is so big in every sport. Our student athletes in softball have never had that, so I I think it's great for the game. Uh, you know, they're an hour and a half down the road. We're actually going to play them twice this year. We're going to do a home and away because um, we didn't get to play them last year. So we'll have a home and away with Clemson, but. I, I think it's I think it's great for the game to be able to have that that uh, in state rivalry. Well, I'm excited to hear that y'all are playing twice next year. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch as, uh, yeah. as we chat with South Carolina head coach Bev Smith. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. This was really nice and a good conversation about your team. We're really excited to see the Gamecocks in 2021. Well, thank you, Tom. Thank you, Gray. I appreciate your time tonight. Absolutely. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Coach. All right. Take care. Bye bye. All right, Tom. 
we're back. Bev Smith, my favorite answer out of anyone we talked to for the czar question. She said, in a COVID year, my rule would be we play. <laughs> yes, I like it. It's a good rule. Me too. Now, we talked to her a while back, but this is the episode where I think we talk more about scheduling than we have before. I think, you know, if it's up, if it's up to the coaches, we'd play a 56-game regular schedule and everything would be normal. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully, that's a possibility. The, the first vaccines are being implemented as we speak. So, hopefully... You know, if those start taking, the numbers start going down, people feel more comfortable and we might be able to play more of a regular schedule. I know it's frustrating because right now we're in the middle of the quote unquote second wave. We're getting a surge. Uh, we're seeing basketball games having to be canceled. So it can be frustrating and it can be, it can kind of just get you down. But then you got to think by the time these outdoor sports are coming up in the spring, you know, hopefully the, the things have taken a turn for the better and they might be able to have a, a more uh, chance to have a full schedule. That being said, I don't know if 56 is, is a possibility, but hopefully they'll get as close to it as possible. Yeah, we'll talk more about scheduling in a little bit when we talk to Jamie Traxel. Tom, another South Carolina question. Are they in the mix to be mentioned on your top five at the end of the episode? I think they're kind of on the first four out probably in that situation. Okay. Bubbly life in Columbia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just you know, again, just trying to. How are you going to replace the departed Johns? And you know, we've seen the talent, but haven't seen them all healthy at the same time. So it's one of those I'll need to see a little bit before I can can really make them any higher than that. All right, Tom. Do you remember long ago when COVID was not a thing, or at least we didn't know it was a thing, when mm-hmm. I had Georgia number two in my preseason poll for 2020? Do you recall that? I, I do, yes. Yeah. Yes. Things have changed in Athens <laughs> since then. Yeah. A lot of movement. And we talked to the head lady in Athens, Lou Harris Champer, the head coach of the Bulldogs, about the new look at the roster and the new look in the program and what 2021 might look like. That's coming up on the other side. We'll be right back with Lou Harris Champer of Georgia in just a moment. And we're back. All right, Tom. Lou Harris Champer. We got her. <laughs> it's like yeah. that gif. Ladies and gentlemen, we got her. <laughs> yeah, she uh, not known as you know the most outgoing and the most, not the one that does the most interviews in the conference. But that being said, I'm not sure why, because she was tremendous. She was delightful. Very delightful. Big fan. Coach yeah. Lou, we, we really enjoyed talking to her, and she gave us really interesting stuff. And I, it, I think it was so fascinating to hear her talk about the departure of Justice Mills and Sierra Bryan. Because, and she didn't say this, but it has to hurt when you're a coach and you have two starters leave all of a sudden during the fall, but she sounded really optimistic about the pieces that are there to replace those two players. The question is, can they actually perform up to the level of a Sierra Bryan and a Justice Mills? We'll have to see. Yeah. And then, you know, and it's not necessarily that the people that are replacing have to necessarily be up to their level, but will the rest of the team around them kind of help elevate, you know, elevate their play as well. Yeah. So it was a, a team that, I think it, talent is not the issue at Georgia. Uh, it was just, you know, they had injuries at the wrong time and just, you know, maybe maybe it was a chemistry issue as we're seeing with play, players leaving. But, mm-hmm. you know, 
sometimes, you know, is there even with a talent as much as they have, is there an addition by subtraction there? We'll see. We'll see if that was, that's an issue or if it's just one of those 2020 things. Who knows? But she discusses a lot of things in this interview. We're very excited to present our conversation with the Georgia head coach, Lou Harris-Champer, right now here for Softball Media Days. Softball Media Days continues as we head over to one of our favorite cities to visit, Athens, Georgia. And it's time to talk about the Georgia Bulldogs with the head coach, Lou Harris-Champer, who joins us now. Coach, welcome in. Good morning. Oh, thanks for having me here. I'm really excited to talk to you guys today. Absolutely. So, Coach, 2020, a weird year for everybody. Your team went 23-5. and You got two out of the three in your SEC series against South Carolina. What do you feel like you learned from your squad in 2020 uh, that maybe you can take into the 2021 season? You know, we we learned so much, you know, the the year was just, you know, progressing along and progressing along. And then it was just so fun to get into our first conference series, you know, and just watching the girls grow and seeing the younger ones step up. I, I don't know, we learned so much about our team and how that they uh, look toward each other and how they play the game. It, it's just, it was really fun going, uh, it's really be- the beginning of a really fun season. And then we were getting ready for, you know, our, our second conference series and boom, you know, we got that call saying that we weren't getting on that flight that day. And, and then it was just done. And, uh, you know, it's so much in such a little, little bit of time. I, you know, I remember the season as, really just building a lot of momentum and really excited to see where we were going and looking forward to traveling out to Arkansas to play. And then it, and then just getting that call in the middle of practice saying we're not getting on the flight and boom, just like that. You know, we really didn't know what to expect at the time, but looking back, just something that I've never experienced in my lifetime in coaching. Uh, but, you know, I think we learned a lot about our team. Uh, I think through this, the adversity that's gone on through, you know, the last so many months since March, <laughs> you know, we've learned a lot, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, things that, that student athletes and just people in general have been dealing with and growing and, you know, hopefully everyone has grown a lot and is ready for another opportunity in 21. Well, coach, one of the memories I know that's going to stick out for you, I, I would assume is that crazy James Madison game, because we have to talk about it. So, so you're losing 11, eight going into the bottom of the fifth. I remember Tom and I were doing radio for that game. We did the usual cooks, pest control scoreboard update said, well, it looks like Georgia is going to have to fight back. You fought back for sure by scoring 11 in the bottom of the fifth to run rule James Madison, 1911. Where does that game rank in terms of craziness that you've seen in your career? You know, it was so fun. You know, you brought me back, got a big smile on my face. You know, that it was really fun. You know, you, you know, you train for, you know, certain opponents throughout the week, you know, you're like, okay, we're going to get ready for this pitcher and this pitcher, and you've got to get your hitters ready, you know, and, and know what to expect. And then, you know, just to get, just for them to just keep fighting and keep fighting and keep fighting. And, you know, maybe it was the best thing that happened getting down early uh, looking back and then, okay, let's go, let's go to work and go to fight, you know, let's get, get, let's get to work and get in here and grind it out and just keep finding a way, you know, and the beauty about the, the game, it was just like, you know, another person would get a hit and another person would get a hit. It's like passing the bad things would just keep happening. All of a sudden the, the game's blown up again. And it's just, I don't know, I guess that's why you play the game because it's really fun moments like that, that really help you appreciate the sport and help you appreciate why you play the game. You know, nothing is what it is on paper. It, it is on paper, 
you know, and we all have these ideas of what it's going to be. But when you get out there, it's those competitors that just keep competing and just keep finding a way and grinding it out. That you know, the game was really fun. It was fun playing them again later in the, in the weekend. It's just, you know, it was really a really good highlight of, of 2020 with that team. And uh, coach, you mentioned getting the, the call about not getting on the airplane for the, uh, for the second uh, second series of the conference series. There was still a, a chance of the season continuing there. We didn't know that it was going to be completely canceled at that point. Uh, when you did get that call, um, how did you break it to the team and how, uh, how did everybody kind of react to it? Yeah, well, it, it was just rough because, you know, when we, we thought we were coming back on Tuesday for practice, you know, when, and we sent everybody home that could go home so that they could, you know, be with their families. And then people started, you know, from across the country started to go home. And then we thought we'd have like two weeks and then all of a sudden it was just over, you know, and those were just conversations that we had, you know, with them. We did some Zooms and we, you know, did some personal phone calls and it, it was heartbreaking for the student athletes, you know, cause they were really feeling the, um, the flow of the team and really excited about the upcoming, you know, conference series you know that's what you train for all year all, all fall you know over break and then getting into january you know you just can't wait to get them to sec play and then it was just halted so abruptly um that again though you have to you can't say enough about you know the guts that administrators had and that the sec had in protection of their student athletes you know I get it looking back, you know, it, as a grown up, you know, you're like, well, that was probably the right move, the right thing to do. You have to, you know, people come first moreover than a game. Um, but it was very hard for the student athletes and for all of us coaches, you know, it's, you're been doing something for 20 something years, you know, and then it's just boom, you know, and for these kids, it's that, you know, a lot of those freshmen, a lot of those seniors, they'd worked so hard for that. And then it's just abruptly, you know, but you know what, that's part of life. There's growth to be had there. And we know that we're going to have another opportunity here in 21. And it just creates an opportunity for a new chapter. And coach, that's kind of created uh, a little bit of kind of a tumultuous off season all around college softball, uh, especially with the, uh, the transfer portal, uh, mm -hmm. people jumping in that you never would have expected to. We've seen that all over the country. And obviously you've had a couple as well. Uh, how will you look to, uh, to replace the, the productivity of uh, somebody like a Sierra Bryant and Justice Mills who, who have left the program? Yeah, you know, I think that when change happens, it's an opportunity for someone else, you know, like change happens all year long. Change happens from year to year. Change happens from every four year to four years. Like it's part of it. And when change, it's like having an injury in mid season. It's like when, um, Brittany Gray went down and Mary, Mary, uh, Wilson Avent stepped up, you know, like you can't, it's not all about, you know, one person or one aspect of the game. It changes what builds your growth. It brings your character and it really allows for somebody new to step up and have an opportunity. And so that's what we'll do, you know, and, you know, I think the transfer portal is a very good thing. I really, really believe that, um, it's a two way street. I believe that, you know, if needs aren't getting met, then needs should be able to be met. You know, as a parent of three girls, you know, I want my girls to have an opportunity to be successful the best that they can, you know, and sometimes you have to change course in what you're doing uh, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just in the next chapter of life. You know, it's a journey. Uh, 
Lisa Bassey, I coached with her a long time ago and I was a young coach and, you know, she's very smart. I coached with her in the pro league. She's like, Lou, you gotta understand, you know, it's a journey. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Like, <laughs> and me, I was like, no, we gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta do this, 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 this. And she's like, nah, enjoy it a little bit. I'll never forget those words looking back. I was like, Lisa Bassey, you are so right. And she's a great <laughs> coach as well. I mean, just, you know, and her, and, and, and I just, she just, I don't know. Looking back, she's like, yes, you're absolutely right. You know, life is a journey and there's different chapters in life. And those chapters are what make up the story, make up the entire book. And, you know, it's change is hard, but it's also very fun and very invigorating, invigorating. And uh, I don't know. We're going to just get out there and compete. And, you know, we're going to be relentless. We're going to embrace the battle. And, you know, somebody new is going to have an opportunity that didn't, wasn't going to have an opportunity. We have 27 kids on our roster, you know, like there's somebody knocking on the door saying, what about me? Let's go, you know? Mm -hmm. Coach on our podcast, I've often referred to myself as a Mary Wilson Avant truther. I think that she can be one of the three or four best pitchers in this league. She has the potential to be that. She's shown flashes of that. I think of the one hitter against Auburn in 2019, one of the best performances I've seen from her when I've gotten a chance to sit and watch her. What does she have to do in 2021 to actually become one of the top two or three? And how has she improved in the offseason to get to that point more consistently? Well, I think, in all honesty, she just needs to be herself. She's, she's an amazing human being. I mean, yes, her pitches are beautiful. Like, she can really make the ball dance in all directions, and her changeup is just sick. It's just – it's a get – I call it, you know, get out of – if you ever, you're old enough to play – have ever played Monopoly, you know, you got that get out of free – get out of jail free card. Well, the changeup is one of those, and hers is so good. Uh, I would say she just needs to be who she is. You know, she does everything. She's an amazing girl. She's in grad school. She's succeeding. You know, she's part of a sorority. And everything that she does, she does to the best of her ability. And honestly, with a kindness in her heart. Like, it's one of those kids that I would love for, like, my girls to emulate, to grow up, to be like, to approach life the way that she does. Just, again, an outstanding human being. She just needs to be who she is and trust in what she does. And she doesn't have to do anything more in a game that she doesn't practice because she's just, she's got that much good stuff. And in reality, she's just an amazing human being. And I think that her, her team knows that they're going to go to war behind her. They're going to play hard behind her. Um, she's a great leader on and off the field. Uh, as I said, a person to be emulated. And I agree wholeheartedly that her pitching is outstanding. And I think that the best is yet to come. I think her and Coach Fico, the relationship is fantastic. I think, you know, we hired Fico a while back. It's been a while, maybe six years or so, like, because I wanted her to come in and work with Chelsea Wilkinson because they were very similar in the way that they made pitches move. And that's been fantastic for us throughout. You know, I think her working with their, her and Mary's relationship has been outstanding as well in the development of her pitches and just true belief in what she does. Coach, we've seen in the past you have pitchers who have good careers, and then when they get to the senior year, it's lights out. We saw that with Brittany Gray before the injury. I was expecting to see that for Mary Wilson Avant this year. Do you attribute that growth to Coach Fico and what she puts the pitchers through throughout their careers? I really do. Like I've, I feel like Ray is ahead of her time, ahead of her day in the like the mindset part. She's like. Zen motivator, like she's very um, 
in touch with them. Uh, she wants more than anything for them to be successful and, and does the, the countless hours of breaking down film in order to have a great game plan. I know that they trust her game plan, uh, but the way that she nudges pitchers along in the pen, the way that she talks to them throughout a game is really uh, special. Uh, she has an outstanding feel for the game as a fierce competitor herself. Uh, and she's very strategic in the way that she goes about things. And, you know, I feel like Coach Fico helps our pitchers be better, at, get better as the series continues, which is really fantastic and hard to do. Coach, unfortunately, in 2019, uh, when you guys came to Tuscaloosa, we didn't get a chance to see C.J. Landrum. She had gotten hurt right before that series started. Like the, uh, like the last play of the practice. Uh, <laughs> oh, it was crushing. What, uh, what, what does she bring to the team when she's fully healthy? She's so fast. So mm -hmm. fast. Uh, awesome read uh, in the outfield. Uh, awesome read. Really, like the last, even just this last three weeks, her read has been really firing back again on all cylinders. Uh, Coach Tony did a new, we always did the rookie drill, right? Where you have this machine that shoots fly balls out, right? But he covered up, he covered, he put a net in front of it with a cover on it so that you couldn't see the ball coming out of the machine. And our outfitters reads went, went through the roof when that started. And CJ Landrum, she can cover some ground. I mean, she can cover ground with the best of them. And then seeing that transfer into our gameplays, we did a ton of gameplay, having so many kids in our roster where we were able to be really competitive with two teams, just to see the plays that she was making. You know, losing her at that time was really tough. Getting her back uh, was really fun. And now to see her growth is even more exciting. Talking with Georgia head coach Lou Harris Champer here for Softball Media Days. Coach. Who are the newcomers? Uh, you've got a lot of freshmen coming in. Everybody's got these inflated rosters in 2021. Who are the new faces we should be looking out for this upcoming season? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, players like we just talked about Mary. We also have, you know, a bunch of other really good players that are returning. You know, you've got Allie Cutting and Lauren Mathis. And then you've got Lacey Fincher, who's just a great hitter. Uh, just comes in excellent bat speed, just really drives the ball able to hit different windows of pitching, able to feel time. Uh, Jess Morgan has had a phenomenal, she's a catcher, she had a phenomenal fall, uh, really just for her, letting herself just be the player that she is. She's just been playing. It's really fun to see her have clutch hits in our gameplay settings. Savannah Sykes, just a fierce competitor, you know, not a tack on kid, but a kid when the game's on the line, she's going to get you a single up the middle or a ball in the, in the oppo gap or really a bomb down the line. Like the kids has got so much special to her. Uh, younger, you know, you also have like, you know, Sydney Kuma, who was uh, really hitting the ball well and playing some really good defense for us, and Sarah Mosley. Um, both were with two freshmen on the left side of the diamond. Uh, as far as new kids, like first year, you know, Britton Rogers and uh, Madison Kerpitz are two pitchers that have just been absolutely outstanding for us this fall. It's fun to see them, you know, go through the nerves and then all of a sudden, you know, you see their confidence and then you see them with bases loaded and they're like, let's go, you know, embracing that battle. So that's been really fun. Um, JD, Jada Kearney, she's just a, just a beautiful hitter. She's got a sweet swing. Um, Ellie Armstead, another one, just plays defense um, at another level, at another level. Like just, she plays the speed of the game. That's just beautiful to watch. Um, just wanted to always be her and just play her game because it's, it reminds me a lot of like Christian Snocky and Laura Trout at the middle, just really quick, just 
reads balls uh, very intuitively and just a fun player who's got so much potential. And same with Sydney Chamley. That's another lefty hitter uh, with a ton of potential. So I don't, you know, it's, this team reminds me a little bit of like, wait, I mean, 2008, nobody remembers 2008, but that was the beginning of a young team that really blew up. Um, and there's so much potential here, you know, and I'm, I'm not naive. I know that your freshman year is different than, you know, your next year and your next year and your next year, but it, it makes a huge difference when you have the opportunity to compete in your freshman year in the next year and the next year and the next year that really accumulates. And I don't know, I'm really excited about this team. Can't wait to get back on the field again and get to see these guys compete. And you know what, when it becomes the most fun is when they know that they belong to be out there and, and they start to take certain aspects over and they just start playing the game uh, the way that they have always played the game with the passion and the love that they have for it. Coach, you have a, a new kind of natural rival starting up. It's non-conference, but Clemson uh, kind of down the road there in South Carolina is is starting up and uh, you got to play there in, in the shortened 2020 season. Um, how exciting is it to see new programs really step up and, and start up even during this time? Hopefully that'll continue uh, when things get somewhat back to normal and uh, and Clemson in particular, uh, that they're going to bring something new to uh, to Southeastern region softball. I think it's great. I mean, the, the they did it the right way. And John is a great coach and they gave him the opportunity to spend time recruiting because you can't just do something in a day. Like, you know, it takes time to build it. They, they give an upper, they give him the opportunity to build a stadium, uh, to have some input in that. And he did an outstanding job with that. And when uh, it just does so much more for the sport, when, when everyone has opportunity to have to build great programs, you know, John's a, like I said, he's a great coach. Um, it was fun competing up there. It didn't go our way, which was not fun. Uh, but it also allows you to say, okay, we're going to see them again. And this is, this is what we're going to do. And this is, we're going to be ready. Uh, and sometimes when you're a new program, people don't know all the ins and outs about you, but as you get to know a program, you can't wait to play them. Like you can't wait to play them again. But again, right now, after this year of COVID can't wait to play anybody. Like <laughs> back on the field, uh, but it does say a lot about softball. You know, it's a great sport. Um, it's fun sport. It's a fast paced sport and that's what makes it fun. You know, coach, let's, let's get to the three fun questions before we let you go. First, we've got a segment on the podcast named after my esteemed colleague, Tom Canterbury called Tom's hunger. We review our favorite restaurants to eat at on the road. So coach, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. What are your favorite places to eat? Where are your favorite places to eat in Athens? And then also when you go on road trips, where's kind of the one place that you say, okay, but we have to get dinner here. <laughs> well, oh, here in Athens, I uh, love La Paria. I mean, can't beat a good Mexican restaurant. Like La Paria is the best, uh, but downtown Athens has everything. And it's, that's what like Athens, like you said earlier, when you first uh, came on, Athens is an amazing place to live. Uh, when I really didn't know it was so great until after being here a few years, cause I was just so into trying to, to grow the team that I didn't realize like, wow, downtown's amazing. You know, there's so <laughs> many awesome restaurants. You can get anything. I would say Thai spoon is my new favorite restaurant downtown. Awesome. It's so good. Uh, who knew? I didn't know. I just tried it. We tried it, uh, met some people that ran it and thought, wow, this food is so good. I can eat it. We, well, actually, we have it at least once a week to go. <laughs> yeah. you know, we bring it home. Um, on the road, was it? 
back in the day, it was Harry's on the Rock, right? Was that Mississippi State? Like, I don't remember Harry, something like that. Something I don't like think I've been there. A long time ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time ago, but, you know, anything with Mexican food. I don't know that I have particular restaurants uh, that are my thing, but, yeah. Not Make make a note of that, Gray. We we gotta we gotta hit that one up when we yes, go. Yes, we do love Athens, so that yes. Thai spoon will be on the Thai list. Spoon is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Coach, one thing I've been asking everybody as well is uh, coming off of what happened in the Major League Baseball World Series this year with Tampa Bay, they really used analytics to get them in the position they were in, but then it did it kind of backfired on them in game number six. Uh, just want to know what how much do you use analytics in your in preparation and then in your actual gameplay? Well, I think analytics are, they're really important. Uh, I think that it's fun to see different things, you know, like, you know, with flight scope and TrackMan and Repsoto, there's all this stuff, but you could, you know, have a person dedicated just to that. There's so much information to get out of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's all any edge that we can get to help our student athletes understand and grow is important. You know, like numbers really speak to some people, uh, you know, I guess I was laughing the first time that I did see like a, a flight scope um, spreadsheet. I was like, oh, that's the furthest number. Yeah, that was a home run. Yeah. And that was Alyssa DiCarlo. Yeah, I knew that would be, you know, uh, I right. mean, there's some things that are pretty obvious, but there are also things that are that are hidden that are really important. Uh, but I think, you know, when it gets down to it, it's, you know, it's like there's a lot of gut to it. You know, you have certain athletes that are just better when the game is on the line, like, if the game is close and it it means something, there's certain athletes that through the years, they've just always been an unbelievable player. Megan Wiggins was one like that. She was unbelievable with the game on the line. If it was a big game, game on the line, she might've struck out two times, but game on the line, end of the day, that kid was gonna hit, get a hit, drive a home run deep center. Like she was gonna find a way to get it done. And, you know, I don't know that analytics would have picked her out in that instance, because she certainly wasn't a player that added to her average against whoever. Does that make sense? Yeah, She's a clutch absolutely. player, game on the line. Oh, I'll, let's go. I'm going to compete. Ama mm. It still is. Still is. Still is an amazing competitive hitter, player, diving catches. Like, I don't know that, you know, there's also the feel of the game, you know, that you need to have, you know, how that particular game is going. That I don't know if analytics can fill that out. And then, you know, the ball spin and ball axis tell you so much. And I tell our players all the time, it's like the answer to the test and it's okay to look at it. You know, when you hit that ball, go ahead and take a look at how the, where the axis is on the spin and how it's spinning. Same thing with our pitchers. You can see it about two thirds down the way after you release it, what it looks like. And again, it's the answer to the test. And it's okay to look. Same thing, getting a read on defense, you know, where that hop's going to go to, um, you know, so analytics, I, well, I think, are really good and really important and really useful. You take a full-time job just to run them. Uh, good things we can take from them to help prove to our student athletes that they're good enough and that they're really good and that they can be and will be successful. Uh, but again, there's so much that goes into it. It's not the only thing. Coach, last thing before we let you go, and this is the question I like to ask because we've gotten a lot of diverse answers from all of these head coaches in the SEC. Let's say you wake up tomorrow, the results have been counted, the vote is finished, and you have been elected czar of college softball. You're in charge. You run the show. What's one change you would make about the sport? And that could be rules pertaining maybe to the name of our podcast. It could be scheduling 
things, anything like that, what would be one change you would make? Hmm. Well, honestly, I love the pace. Of, like when the pace of a game is fast, I love it. Like, I feel like we have a great sport and we have a great product. And I feel like when things keep moving, it's really good. So anything that would keep pace of play going, like I would be all in for no timeouts, one max, like no timeouts, like quit stalling the game. Let's get to it. If I have to have one, okay, fine. But we need the game to keep going, you know, like it gets, I, I guess I can really just relate to it. Like I love watching postseason baseball. Um, I thought, what, Tom, you're a Cubs fan, right? Is that right? Yes. My yes, husband, yes, huge Cubs fan. He grew up in Chicago. So it was, I don't remember what year that was that they won, you know. 2016. Yeah, 2016. <laughs> Tom would never forget. Yes. There you go. Numbers guy, right? And yeah. husband, I mean, I mean, we're, you know, it's a late night on the East Coast, but we've watched it all. Mm-hmm. And I love postseason baseball, but the timeouts, like, kill me. Like, I'm, it's maddening. It's like, I'm let's get this game going. Like, let's play the game. And so, like, pace of play anything that keeps pace of play going like a you know when how oh, decreasing timeouts even if we could have an electronic home plate umpire that'd be great you know surely they could build something that just goes up and it's a striker it's not like so simple <laughs> even across the board uh can't be that hard to put it in the plate have it work up like it's just but i do and, and i think umpires are fun too but anything that we can do to keep the game fast i grew up playing a fast game I love when our team plays a fast game and I love when the game is going and then when it gets interrupted with timeouts and anything that slows the game down, it gets yeah, drudgery, but you love the game. <laughs> I love the Coach, I have to ask about one thing. It's impossible to ignore it. Listeners obviously can't see it, but we can, you've got the world series pennants right behind you. Would you be in favor of something that we think should happen? Having that, maybe a bye day, maybe for the elimination games at the Women's College World Series before the championship series, so that maybe those uh, second game of the day elimination games are more competitive and maybe you the get if necessary. the aces, yeah. yeah, the if necessaries. Yeah, I think that would be a great idea. I think it, you know, gives everybody the opportunity to be fully ready to compete. Mm-hmm. I think that's an outstanding idea. Perfect. She's on board. Good. There we go. (laughs) Uh, Well, this has been great. Coach Lou Harris Champer at Georgia joining us here for softball media days. Coach, thank you so much. This was awesome. Thank you. I appreciate all that you do for our sport. You know, all of us, we just love softball and we love being out there with the student athletes and you guys have been doing this for a while and you know what it's like to just enjoy watching those kids go out there and put their heart on the line and compete Sometimes it goes your way, sometimes it doesn't, but being relentless in the pursuit of embracing that battle, you know, what more can you ask for? So thank you guys for what you do for our sport. Really appreciate it. Thank you. We're we're ready for the pursuit to come back. Yeah, we're ready. (laughs) (laughs) No, not that long. It's coming. Thanks, Coach. All right, y'all take care. Bye. Lou Harris Champer, there she is. That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed talking with her. Yes, now, I did really, too. This really, my, really my first real interaction with her overall. And I thought she's just really fun and really, I thought she's really thoughtful. Uh, I can see why players like to like to play under her. And I thought she gave one of, if not our best answer so far in with the czar question, mm-hmm. um, because I agree. I think one of the reasons why softball is so popular and it works so well on television is it has all the elements of baseball, but it moves so much faster. 
And I think she's right. As much as you can do to keep that movement, uh, I think is great. And uh, I'm sure she'd love to see the change that happened in Auburn because the, the old regime at Auburn certainly was not in that same thought process. Uh, but the new one seems to be more so. So I, I, I totally agree. You got cut down the, the meetings at the mound. One thing that I, I like the best in softball instead of baseball is I like there's no like throwing over to first there. You know, if there's an right. actual pickup, if there's a pickoff play in softball, it's fun to watch because it's the catcher having to, you know, rifle one down from behind home plate, trying to catch somebody from, you know, catch them in behind, trying to slide back into first or throw it down to second. That, that's a lot more fun to watch than a pitcher just stepping off and throwing over to first. So, yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. So that, that's, that is what makes softball so fun is the, the speed of the game. And I'm all for anything that keeps that going. I don't know what rules necessarily have to be changed to do that. Uh, but if it is eliminating timeouts and things like that, I'm all for it. I enjoyed her answer to my Mary Wilson Avant question. As I have said, I'm a believer. I am a truther. I think she can be great. And Coach Lou was like, yeah, she can. (laughs) And if she is, look out. Just saying. She's got that extra offseason now to work. She looked good. She had good days. It was a very Mary Wilson Avant 2020. She had great days. She had days when you're thinking, what's going on? What's not working for her right now? But – if she can put it all together, Georgia could challenge for one, two, three, or four in the SEC. Well, we saw what happened, you know, just a couple of years ago when Brittany Gray came through in her senior year and how it elevated the entire the team. And they were they were right there in the conference until she got hurt. I think that same same type of thing can happen if mm-hmm. Mary Wilson does does move along in that in that fashion. All right. One more, Tom. Woo, the finale. Stretch. Yes. You have <laughs> sat through 12 coaches. We've got one more, and it is the new coach. How are things in Oxford? We're going to find out from the new head coach, Jamie Traxel, when we come back here on the Out of the Box Softball Media Days, Episode 4. All right, we are back for the final time. Tom, we preview one of our conversations a great chat with the new head coach at Ole Miss, Jamie Traxel. To say that this was an odd offseason for Ole Miss, and it certainly the last couple of years have been odd for Ole Miss, would be putting it mildly. And they hire a coach, a successful coach, in the midst of one of the worst parts of the pandemic. And now mm-hmm. she is having to put her stamp on a program while you really can't do that except – over the computer or in certain groups of practice. Really, you could take you could make the argument that Ole Miss has had the most tumultuous couple of years, really. You know, from the firing of Mike Smith, an interim coach last year, Jamie Traxel comes in during a pandemic, so you're not able to have face-to-face uh, communication with your new team, you know, limited what you did in fall. Uh, so it's it's been an, a tough time for all of them, but sometimes that type of thing is what can really – it can – bond everybody together and i'm sure that's what she's hoping has happened in oxford she sounds very optimistic as all our coaches have uh and she has she has some talent there um they have Ole Miss has really moved up the ladder from a somewhat of a doormat status in the conference to now a team that if they're not at least hosting regionals they think it's a bad year that's quite a jump to have made in a relatively short period of time and you bring in somebody who's coaching the World Series like Coach Traxel has, 
uh, bring her in and you just expect more of that to come. I also think Tom, she was positive. I agree, but mm -hmm. she also sounded the most realistic. She won't reflect it with her answers, but I think she knows it's going to take a little bit of time to get back to a super regional caliber program. This is an Ole Miss team that was 12 and 13 last year. They got swept in the one conference series. They started 0 and 6, I think, 0 and 7, it, something yeah, like that. They had a bad start. Yeah. It, it, it would be remarkable if this team turned it around and finished top half in year one for Jamie Traxel. I think she knows that. I think that's the goal. But I, I think she's also willing to do the work to make sure the program is sustainable long term and that it's not just a one year jump and then hang on for dear life. Yeah, it seemed like she was she's been, she's much more concerned with building the foundation and having the program as a whole elevated instead of just having, you know, one or two great years. Right. So we'll, we'll see how that that goes. It's going to be a tough situation for losing somebody like Molly Jacobson obviously hurts as well. My girl. I know. I know that that hurts your heart. I know. Tough day when she transferred. Yeah, it was tough. And then Alabama might not even play her. Yet again, because <laughs> if there's no non-conference, we won't go to Austin. So yeah, come on, guys, we can do it. Molly Jacobson versus Alabama World Series. Write it down right now, and then we will play all my <laughs> other FGCL friends, like Shannon Sailed, Oklahoma, and the Washington Girls, and it'll be great. So you're saying Alabama has a possibility of playing Washington and Oklahoma in Oklahoma City? That has never happened before. I just throw in LSU and and Florida while we're at it. Now, Florida will be supers. Come on, you know that. Yeah, of course, right. <laughs> All right, let's get to Jamie Traxel, the new Ole Miss head coach, joining us now, our final interview for Softball Media Days. Here she is. We now conclude Softball Media Days with the new coach on the block, the head coach for the Ole Miss Rebels, Jamie Traxel, coming in from Minnesota to Oxford to run the Ole Miss program. Coach, welcome in. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me. Of course, Coach. So we have to ask, this has been kind of a, a strange offseason. Obviously, you get hired in the middle of a pandemic, kind of in the early stages of what was going on. We'll break down that in just a moment. But what was it about the Ole Miss job that drew you from Minnesota? Um, you know, I, I, you know, I think you're always op open to every opportunity. And for me, I'm really about people and uh, was really kind of won over by the leadership here at, at Ole Miss with Keith Carter and the search committee and, and uh, that being one variable, but a big variable and, um, you know, and just explored the opportunity and all the great things I'd heard about Ole Miss from different people just kept coming to fruition, the more I researched it, and the more I looked into it. And so um, I know one thing in life, you can't control timing. And I thought this was an opportunity that I really couldn't pass up and uh, believed in the administration. Our visions aligned and they believed in me to come in here and lead this program, put together a great staff and um, and do the right things. And so I'm grateful to be here. I'm very appreciative and I look forward to working hard for Ole Miss. Coach, you know, it's obvious, you know, coaches take jobs and move at different times. That happens kind of all the time. But how difficult has it been taking a new job during a literal worldwide pandemic? Uh, and then how have you been able to connect with your players, considering that the face to face contact has been kind of somewhat limited? Yeah, you know, I definitely had its different challenges. Um, you know, I've been fortunate to have some different opportunities the last handful of years, really. So um, um, this one had its own with the with COVID. And so coming down here, transitioning down here is a little bit more challenging. And 
Um, but we were able to try to connect with our players right away. We held a lot of different Zoom calls, um, team meetings, you know, almost weekly, really, um, just to get to know people. Tried to, we did one every with every individual on our team. And um, that has been a little bit challenging just through the fall, just because you have less kids that just stop in and, you know, kind of have just general random conversations and stuff. So, um, but, you know, the people have been done. People down here have been great, uh, very welcoming as much as we've been able to meet them. And, and certainly it's a, it's a great place to work. So uh, we tell our teams to be adaptable all the time. And I guess this is a lesson for us to do too. And just roll with it and take advantages of the things that you get to do versus focusing on the things that you don't. And uh, we're a work in progress. We're a new coaching staff here. So we'll take it day by day, piece by piece. But um, excited for the journey here and, and what we've been able to accomplish so far in the relationship we're building with our players. Coach, it's not a secret that the fall certainly uh, seems easier for the schools down in the south versus in the north where you've got the snowy weather and much colder temperatures, although it, you could confuse me today. It's freezing over here in Alabama. But what advantages have you noticed already just coaching in the south for a limited amount of time compared to when you were coaching up in the northern part of America? Yeah, I, it's hard uh, because I only knew one thing. I mean, my whole coaching career. And so you adapt to what you were able to do. And so coming down here, that was actually an adjustment for me, to be honest. Like, um, but we were able to run a bunch of individuals, individual weeks, you know, to start off in September and then transition into like our team practices, the 20 hour weeks. Um, we're generally up north. You probably switch them just because you might run out of nice weather later in the fall. And so, uh, and we had had a couple COVID uh, a couple of players that were out early in the fall and, and losing them from some practice time when they only had, you know, four hours of practice versus 20 was a big difference. And so I think that's one thing is being real consistent with your practice facility, having the accessibility to that, you know, throughout the entire semester and really kind of designing and setting up your practices to run the course of the fall, breaking things down, um, doing your individuals and then transitioning to team practice. And Coach, how did you uh, approach fall practice here this year, considering you weren't able to play other teams? And, and what, uh, what did you do for the fall? Yeah, we had we spent a few weeks, like I said, about you know doing individual workouts. And that was good for us because with the new staff, I mean, there's new terminology, you know, new, new ways of running practice. So it's a two-way street with all of us getting to know each other. And so it was nice to be able to do a little bit smaller groups. We were at the field probably six hours a day as a coaching staff, six, seven hours running small groups to – to get to know our players and introduce what we do in our terminology. And then um, we did some different interscribes throughout the fall. And then we ended uh, the fall with a three game Red Bull World Series and um, did something a little bit different in terms of drafting teams and wearing full uniforms and really playing for something and, and having the teams kind of set up because of different challenges that, that we had throughout the, the fall. So we finished really well. It was a great way to end it with a lot of energy, a lot of passion. Uh, a lot of personality and competitiveness. And then we had two days of individuals that really, I think showcased just how, how much, how much growth we had together and how well we continue to develop and the progress that we made through the fall. So it was a great way to end the fall um, in kind of an unconventional time. Jamie Traxel joining us here for softball media days coach. You mentioned a new staff for you in Oxford, but not totally new for you. You bring one of your assistants from Minnesota, Katie Reykjavich Browder. How important was it for you to have her, come with you and have somebody that you know uh, be alongside you in a place that was really new with all new players? And I think that's, you know, it's huge. And, and like I said, you know, the last handful of years, I've had some different opportunities and having someone come with you or a couple of people on your staff, it makes such a difference. They know how you work. They know what you want. 
you kind of feel like you're in it together with someone right away because you come in and attack it together and start from there. And, and obviously Katie had some previous history here at Ole Miss. And so her having familiarity with just who's here, who to contact, especially during COVID because we're not, no one sees each other. You know, you kind of stay in your offices, you stay in your building. So who to reach out to, you know, who to communicate with. Um, you know, Katie's a great young, young woman. She's a great coach. She's kind of got that it factor, you know, on and off the field. And so to kind of be in it with someone and, and feel like you're building something with someone for me, it means a lot. That's how I am as a coach. I'm very collaborative and, um, and it definitely makes the transition a lot easier wherever you go when you have people by your side attacking the challenge in front of you. As far as uh, your your roster right now, uh, how are things looking in the circle for you with uh, with the loss of Molly Jacobson and uh, who is stepping up as far as leadership? And then uh, talk about your uh, your new pitching coach, Riker Chase, on as well. Yeah, Riker is uh, a dynamic young man. Um, this guy is he's just, he's a star, and uh, you know spent a lot of time with this hire. You know, probably over a month to be honest, and what felt like about a hundred plus hours or so in terms of conversation and, and really really doing my due diligence and using and calling references and just different people I knew were connected to him. And everybody said the same thing. And, um, and he really is, he's a, he's a net guy. He's a phenomenal coach. Obviously he's been with a great program and a great head coach in Veterina at LSU. And, um, and he's fantastic. And our player, our pitchers are getting better. I think they enjoy going to the bullpen every day. I think they've taken a lot of pride and satisfaction and in their development over the fall too everybody's getting better and consistently we've had different players step up, especially a lot of our older pitchers and, and Ava Tillman and even Lindsey Johnson and, and Anna Borgen. And so, you know, we have, we know we're going to be a pitch by committee um, type of pro, you know, staff. And um, it's our job to make sure we continue to develop our pitchers and put them in the right places to be successful and make sure that we're using their strengths with each other's my matchups that we do have. And so, um, they've made great strides and we know that their time at home on their own is really important because we got about two months off and, you know, we fully expect to be able to hit the ground running from the progress that we made come January to be ready and prepared as possible come February. Something you said that, re that really intrigued me there when uh, you're talking about the players really enjoying coming to, uh, to practice, how important is that, but having that type of mindset right now, considering all the change that's happened at Ole Miss and then, you know, the situation we're in uh with COVID right now yeah I think I think that change may have been just a little bit like like you said even different and it's challenging in some ways because you have seniors who instead of kind of knowing how everything's going to work you know now they're like probably feel a little bit like a freshman like they don't know anything and um but the intrigue was there like you're never coming into practice doing something that was hey I've done this a million times for better or worse and um you know there were not there the majority of the days were at practice if not all of them we felt like we had Everybody came in, was very, was intent, was excited to be there, was all in and came there to work to get better, but could enjoy the process. And I think halfway through the fall, we really started to get comfortable with each other and how things were going so that their personalities could come out and they really could be who they are while they're working and being intentful with what they do. Coach, we're going to ask more about the offense as a whole in a minute, but I've got to ask about my girl, Maddie Banks, one of my favorite people from the FGCL. I got to know her this summer. Oh, yeah. Really quality player, great bat, great attitude. She comes in from Virginia Tech. What does she bring to your program and what kind of impact can she have immediately in your lineup? Yeah, I think I'm going to just touch on the fact that she's just an incredible person. I mean, you're not around this kid and and not feeling like she's probably making you feel special in some ways. Uh, she's got a, a great personality. 
uh, really unselfish, off the charts, work ethic, um, very determined, coachable, open to something new. And I think you always, you know, hope that that's players are like that when they transfer coming to something, you know, that they may not be as familiar with. And um, she's versatile. She can play in the infield, both sides on the infield. She can go to the outfield, obviously a lefty, a lefty bat, a great base runner. I think that's always, you know, something that maybe isn't, you know, look at quite as much as it should. She has really good speech, a great base runner. She's competitive and she's been part of winning. You know, I think she's been part of a program that's been really successful at a high level at Virginia Tech in college and even the success she had this past summer. So um, she comes with a lot of experience and, and confidence in her development of things that she's been part of. And we look, we look for her at that winning kind of determined competitive attitude to be a really great uh, blend with the players and the personalities that we have here to help us be as strong and as deep as we can be. Then uh, offensively, there outside of uh, Maddie, what type of offense will you be looking to kind of kind of implement at, in Oxford? Yeah, use, utilizing the people that we have here and the strengths that we have, you know, um, we're definitely going to be making sure that we are winning 60 feet's a big thing, timely hitting, um, getting people in scoring position, making sure that we're a great base running team to get ourselves in scoring position, really challenging the defense. Um, and putting ourselves in really good position to maximize the opportunities that we do have. So, um, you know, there's everyone in our lineup is going to be capable, but we'll have some, you know, some lefties and some sloppers and speed, got our power hitters and then, and then players who can come, who can make big plays and big moments and come up with big hits. And so, um, you know, we're excited about the opportunities everyone has. We feel like we have a lot of different depth and are capable of maybe putting different people in the lineup based off different matchups and the pitchers that we're going to see in, as a coaching staff, that makes us feel pretty comfortable. Coach, besides Maddie, who are the other newcomers into the program, freshmen or maybe a couple other people that came in this year that uh, we should be on the lookout for in 2021? Well, shoot, they're all new to us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, our freshmen have done a great job. This is the biggest roster that I've ever actually coached. We had 29 players on our roster, and, um, and Katie and I talked about that quite a bit, just in and making sure we tried to run product, you know, practices that we felt real comfortable with to get to know everybody um, so we could develop our players so we could evaluate their skill set, not really having much of a back, much background on them, even the recruits coming in. Um, Blaze uh, Bellinger, like, uh, is going to challenge to be a starter in our infields. Um, you know, Ansley Furbish is a player, a two-way player, got a big back, can pitch and can play defense. And um, we have another freshman pitcher who's done a great job, Landon Bruce. And so um, Macy Keister has got some great speed and they all offer something. Ashley Rue comes with a lot of experience, big lucky bat. So, you know, they all bring something different and, and we'll utilize their strengths as best we can. Coach, you know, you haven't had an opportunity to uh, coach games yet in the conference, but uh, I know you've, I'm sure you've had meetings and things like that with, uh, with everybody else in the conference so far. Uh, how, how are things coming as far as, you know, learning the SEC and uh, what type of differences are there between the SEC and, and the Big Ten? Um, you know, I think, you know, been fortunate and all that I'm a little older to face a lot of the teams, you know, in this conference and in regular season and some in postseason too. So, um, you know, very committed. It's a very prideful conference. Um, coach is very committed to the better, the, the overall well-being of this conference and the strength of it. Um, it, you know, really unifying in that, especially over COVID and trying to talk about what's best for this conference and in terms of scheduling and, and it really being kind of a holistic approach. So um, very inclusive when it comes to that. 
And so I, I know that there's the be a lot of the best of the best are in this conference. I feel real proud to be part of it and make sure we do our job to, you know, really like uphold the standards that are in this conference too. And so uh, we know it's a dogfight each and every weekend. There's no weekends off. It's like playing a super regional every single weekend with who you're playing um, and the magnitude of every game. And we talk about this all the time. I think Riker always says it, like you have to be prepared to get punched in the mouth on, on Friday and figure out how to come back on Saturday. Um, and maybe you do that and someone's going to come at you with their next, their best stuff on the next day. And so um, every day, every, every game in this conference, we know is like a playoff game and a playoff atmosphere and looking forward to the challenge of that. We're just that you have to play your very best every single time you step on the field. Coach, I'm glad you mentioned scheduling because I wanted to ask kind of a logistical question if you can't touch on anything and we obviously understand, but as we navigate this weird possible 2021 season, it feels like the vibe is moving towards conference only. Uh, obviously, no decision has been made, but that's just kind of what the feeling in the air is like. As a coach right now, do you still have to have non-conference opponents at the ready? Are there still teams that you're talking to right now as if 2021 will play out regularly, knowing that that might not be the case? Yeah, I, you know, right now we haven't made any changes to our schedule. I know the the really the aim is to make this holistic as, as holistic as possible. Uh, we haven't taken anything off the board. There's been you know, we've talked about everything from, you know, keeping the schedule the way it is to, you know, conference only and just keeping, making sure that we are having those conversations. So we are prepared for anything that is asked of us. And, um, but right now the conference is committed to keeping this as full as possible, playing our non-conference games, allowing us to play midweeks and, and trying to get to that 56 games. And if we have to make an adjustment, there's contingency plans that are kind of getting in place right now and, and being talked about a little bit more in depth than, and we know just as coaches, just like other sports in the fall have had to endure, like, you know, it's, it's nice to be, it's nice to plan. And, um, <laughs> and I think we're all planning for one thing and but knowing that we may have to make adjustments if, if, if it calls for that because of COVID and health reasons and safety, and we're all willing to do that. But I think we appreciate the conference's effort to really maximize this, this season for, you know, last year, our season was cut short and trying to do as much as they can for not just softball, but baseball and the other spring sports that were cut short last year. And I think we respect and appreciate their efforts at this point. Talking with Jamie Traxel is the Ole Miss head coach on softball media days here on out of the box. And uh, we like to wrap things up. We have three kind of fun questions to ask here at the end of the interview. And uh, one of my first ones, something I've asked every coach and got some really interesting answers is uh, coming off of what happened in the major league baseball world series this year, Tampa Bay really used analytics to get them in the right position and get them there. But then using analytics in game six didn't work out for them. And they ended up losing the world series. Uh, I just wanted to see what your thoughts were. How much do you use analytics in game management and also preparing for games in particular? Yeah, it's something we're really trying to dive into. Our sport has been transitioning towards that, you know, for, uh, for a few years now, especially. And, I'm fortunate to have a lot of a couple of young coaches on my staff that are all about that and kind of dive into it, the tech side of it and the analytics. And so as much as we can, I think it's just part of your preparation and it's a balance of both, you know, um, as much as you, you can use it. Um, I don't know that we're to a point right now where that's the only way that we approach our game, prepare for a game and make decisions. Um, but in, in terms of how we have our plan and what we, what we want and, and foresee happening, um, you know, we'll follow that game plan, but if you have to make adjustments and in-game decisions that, you know, because it goes a little bit off the rail, then, then you go back to maybe the, just the coaching and, and making the best 
you know, decision that you feel from your evaluation, not just what the numbers say in that moment. And the big thing for us is just knowing, and we tell our players to do this, when you're prepared, you go out there, you can lay it all in line with no excuses, no regrets. And it doesn't always work out for you. Uh, but the more that you trust your preparation and feel confident in your decisions because they came from the right place and, um, you know, the more that you feel confident making them and um, hopefully most of the time they work out. And if they don't, that's just the way the game goes and you give credit to your opponent. Okay, coach, I know everybody is sick of elections, but let's say that you got elected the czar of college softball. You're in charge. You are running everything. <laughs> what is one change that you would make to the sport? It could be a rule. It could be scheduling in terms of just uh, how all that works, whether it be the NCAA tournament or regular season. What do you think? Oh, wow. Uh, loaded question here. <laughs> so. I'm glad I don't ever have to make this decision because <laughs> you can't make everybody happy for sure. Um, that's a tough one. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, well, maybe from your um, perspective of being a coach in the North for most of your time, is there a way that you think maybe it could be uh, maybe the, committee or, or something can better weigh how things are done to kind of make this more, more equitable or is that necessary do you think yeah I think that I guess now that you say that, you be as far as that yeah Tom I think in terms of now that you say that it's um I think basketball does that where they have different point systems for home games and away games or mm -hmm. maybe if you're hosting and um not sure what the right answer is for that obviously if I was coaching the north I'd probably really be thinking about that um, but I think fair is fair and you want everyone on the equal playing field to go out so you can play your best when it matters the most and you know, you're a true champion. So, um, gosh, I don't know. It's a loaded question. I didn't really need to answer, but Tom maybe has some, maybe he's onto something there. Uh, well, this, this one is, I think hopefully will be not quite as loaded, although you might make people mad. I don't know. I hope not. Uh, when, uh, coming down to, to Oxford, uh, we have a show, uh, we have a segment of our show, called Tom's Hungry, uh, because I, I usually am. But the uh, we talk about where we've gone to eat when we're out on the road, and we <laughs> even to the point of, of ranking them. Uh, what have been some of, of the spots that you have hit in Oxford that have really jumped out at you? Oh, uh, well, this is, it's a good question, except for COVID. I've been pretty, pretty diligent about staying inside and not going out to any restaurants, really. Sure. Um, there's a Anywhere that has a great to-go menu. <laughs> yeah, El Gave. Um, Mexican restaurant here in Oxford is um, outstanding. So um, that's probably the one place that I've actually been. Katie and Riker visit there often, or Katie's been there for multiple years. So El Gave uh, Mexican restaurant is phenomenal. I would recommend that to everyone, even if you don't think you're a Mexican food lover. There's something on the menu and the food is outstanding. Ooh. Anywhere from your travels, possibly, that uh, when you were at Minnesota traveling around the country that you really enjoyed? You're at, oh man, I got the palate of a 12 year old. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> my food tastes are pretty bland and pretty simple. So um, I'd say here they have a lot of really good food. We've had a couple of people bring some things in and um, I know they have a good reputation in Oxford for the quality of food and the restaurants they have and everything I've eaten to this point, I was definitely not disappointed. And there's less chains down here. There's not a lot of chain restaurants in mm -hmm. Oxford. Uh, so a lot of like really good tasting home cooked kind of food um that you get almost everywhere you go well, that's one thing about coming down to the south and being in the sec you're not going to go hungry i promise you that there's <laughs> yeah, going to be plenty I, I of places 
Uh, yeah, we'll make sure you get some good spots uh, on the road in 2021. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I look forward to it. I look forward to being on the road and, and playing games and, you know, diving into this conference and, you know, kind of proving myself in some sense in our program and, you know, upholding the standards and expectations of the best conference in the country. Mm-hmm. Well, coach, we're really excited to see you in 2021. As we've talked about, we don't know what the schedule will look like, but we know at the very least we will see you in Tuscaloosa for the SEC tournament and a best of luck to your team in between now and then. Thank you for joining us. That was great. Thank you for having me safe and happy holidays to you and your family. Thanks coach. You Thanks coach. That was Jamie Traxel. Excited to have her in the league, Tom. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, she, and she seemed very excited to be in the SEC. I think that that was kind of one of the, the answers I thought was, it was pretty telling when I asked her about the difference between the SEC and the big 10 about really, she's very concerned with holding up the standards of the conference, not just of her program. So, right. um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, it. I think she's going to be successful at Ole Miss. It could be a tough 2021, but I, I think it, she will develop the program, uh, the foundation that she'll need. And we've also found out we have a lot of Mexican food fans in the conference. Yes. I feel bad. I hadn't considered, Oh, we're in a pandemic. She hasn't eaten out. (laughs) (laughs) She hasn't been out very often. You're right. But we'll make sure that she gets some good eats in Tuscaloosa and, and all these other places. What we should do, Tom, we now know all these coaches but the ones for sure that we have asked about food, let's all go to dinner at the SEC tournament. Why not, right? Yeah, absolutely. Should certainly do when we should we should take the coaches out uh, either when they come for a series in Tuscaloosa or at the SEC championship at the tournament. It can be like Todd's taste of a town, except right. with the coaches. Tom's hungry with with the coaches. Well, we'll yes. we'll, we'll, we'll figure out a, a cool name with it. Yes, if there are any other coaches who. Alabama might play and they're fans of those teams listening. Let us know if we need to reach out to Patty Gasso and say, Hey coach, and we're in Oklahoma city. Do you want right. to be a part of Tom's hungry with the coaches? Oh, we're going to that steakhouse. house that uh, that's, that's the way in Oklahoma city. Of course. Yeah. All right. Should we, uh, should we give our top five? Are you ready for this? I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I am, but yeah, I think we can uh, way too early. And I have a feeling that mine is going to be somewhat unimaginative, if that's the right word, because I think it's going to be somewhat chalk. Interesting. But we'll see. But we'll see. There is one scenario. I've got seven teams written down right now. I'm trying to cut it. There's one team that if they make, I'm going to look like a complete hypocrite. And I think you know what that team would be. We'll <laughs> see if they make the list when we come back. We've got final thoughts. We will recap the entire event. Plus our way too early SEC top five in no particular order. Softball Media Days finishes up when we get back here on the Out of the Box podcast. We are back, Tom, our final wrap-up of Softball Media Days. Let's recap the entire event, okay? I have to look at the schedule because we've talked to so many coaches over (laughs) the last month. It's kind of insane. We spent Mm. episode one with Tim Walton, Courtney Diefel, Ralph and Karen Weekly. Episode two with Larissa Anderson, Mississippi State's Samantha Ricketts, and Mickey Dean out of Auburn. We spent episode three with Rachel Lawson, Joe Evans, Beth Tarina, and finally episode four. Patrick Murphy, Lou Harris Champer, Bev Smith, Jamie Traxel. Final thoughts. Everybody's heard these interviews now. Hopefully they know that these coaches are, in fact, 
to quote myself from the premiere, really, really cool. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, I think that's the main takeaway. It shouldn't be, this shouldn't be the only time this happens. There, there needs to be a lot more exposure on a lot of these coaches, media-wise. Uh, I don't know if they will necessarily want that, which I, which I certainly understand. I know, as I've said before, you know, dealing with the media might not be some of these coaches' favorite things to do, but I didn't, I didn't think we had a clunker in, in any of them. I thought all 13 right. were very good, gave very good thoughtful answers, were very pleasant to, to deal with, you know, some to the point of being delightful. So uh, I would like to see I would like to see more of this type of thing done to more expose the personalities and the really just great coaching minds that we have in this league. And I also think, well, first off, to your point, I was in charge of setting the order. A part of it was availability. Whose interviews did we have when we released episodes one and two? Another part of it was runtime. I did not have any situation where I said this was bad. We're going to bury it. We're going to put this interview in the middle of an episode with two great ones. Everybody was good. And I think you're right. That does showcase how smart these coaches are, the savviness that they have with the media, how eager they are to talk about softball. And while I do not think it is our place to do it for the rest of the country, softball media days could be just as fun in the Pac-12 or the Big 12. So there are other people out there, other podcasts who can do this same thing. It is difficult, but it is not impossible. Give it a shot. The sport deserves more coverage. A lot of outlets do a great job with it now, but we can do more and we can do better. And I think we did our part with this series. And I also, you know, credit to the SIDs and and the coaches in of realizing because three, four or five years ago, if they got a interview request from a podcast, it, you know, automatic delete, (laughs) you know, but, you know, understanding that, you know, this is becoming such a a popular and a a big medium that they can use to use as a something to forward their own programs. uh, I think it was very smart of them. And I hope that all the people covering the sport do listen to these interviews because a lot of people are going to ask questions that these coaches do answer. I think Jamie Traxel gave a great answer about scheduling and about what the non-conference looks like right now. So folks, if you know, we don't care, listen to the podcast, use some of these interviews in your stories. If you want, just make sure you cite out of the box. That's my only request at out of the box underscore pod. Just go ahead and put that on there and we're good. And if you include us in an article, we will send you a koozie. So (laughs) the box is still in my car. (laughs) We got, we got a shirt. We got all sorts of stuff. (laughs) Okay, Tom. You ready for your top five? Okay. Yes. No particular order. Okay. Give me a team. Well, I'll go ahead and start off with the lead off. We'll just put Alabama in there. Me too. Yeah. Do you see a scenario where they're not in the top five? It would be very, very difficult. I think there would have to be multiple injuries and just some bad, bad luck. Because I I think even as much as there was that in the non-conference schedule in the 2020 season, as I've, I've said it numerous times on this podcast and others that one of the biggest disappointments about the way the 2020 or 2020 season ended was I really thought Alabama had just turned the corner. Yep. And I thought they were about to go on a big run in the conference. I don't think that they will need that necessarily. If there is say an only a conference only schedule, I think they've turned that corner already and hopefully, you know, yeah, I think it, I think it would only, it would only, as I said, last episode, 
it would only help the better teams in this conference if it is a conference only schedule. Pro of conference only can't get off to a bad non-conference starter. So <laughs> yeah. cue, cue the cue the Eddie Murphy gif. Yeah. Chess, yeah. not checkers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've got Alabama as well. I'll move to my second team, Florida. Right? You you've got yeah. them, I'm sure, in your top five. Yeah, I do. And that is I, I wrote that down knowing or at least thinking right now Skylar Wallace is not a part of the team. If she's on the team, then all of a sudden we're talking about a, a team that pushes Alabama, we both think, for the top spot. Yeah, because you know, we, we were a giddy last year thinking that Florida wasn't going to be good, and then they were. So, uh, you know, I, I can't foresee it getting that, that not happening this year. I, I would assume they'll definitely be good again. All right, Tom, your third team. Well, I know the, the team that you really liked last year, and I think they're just going to continue their upward momentum. The team that's going to be fighting for the championship is going to be LSU. Yeah. I think these are the three best teams in the conference, Alabama, Florida, LSU. I'd love to see the LSU offense against SEC pitching because they were one of the few teams that did not play a conference series in 2020. But yeah. that pitching staff, I mean, if they get better in this offseason than what they already were, which was much improved from 2019, if they're better than 2020, look out. It's all about whether or not they can finish it off. That's what we talked about in the episode and when you talked to Beth. And it's all about can you avoid that late season swoon? Are you the same team in May and June that you are in February and March? Yep. If they are, look out. All right, my fourth team, Kentucky the oh, enigmas the, the enigma you put them in rachel lawson sold me they are not right. my buy-in team they are not my buy-in team i actually think they are top four good but i'm not sure what it says that i was struggling so much to find a fourth team that i liked but i do have kentucky in i think if autumn humes and grace ballman make the jump and i yeah. think they've got the pieces to put an offense together that will miss alex martins and bailey vick but not too badly so yeah. I've got Kentucky in my fourth slot. Okay. I don't think I'd have them in my top five, but I think they're definitely in the, in those, in that next level that could jump in. I can see that very easily. All right. Who's your fourth. I mean, this is, I think my surprise team. I don't know if you'll have them in my, in your top five. I'm putting Arkansas in. Whoa. Yes. But Tom, you made fun of me mercilessly for right. a year about Arkansas. Correct. That wasn't this year. <laughs> so, and that was before we talked to Courtney Diefel. Explain who, yourself. It was delightful, by the way. Yes. Uh, well, with a, I just, I really think if Mary Half has completely healed, which surely to goodness by now she has, <laughs> and, you know, we saw all American Autumn Storms, how good she can be if she's able to sustain that and do that the second time seeing a team. I think their pitching is going to be outstanding. I think their offense is just continuing to improve. They have mashers up and down the lineup. And I just, I think this is kind of the point where we can see a team like Arkansas take that next step. And I'm going to go with the Razorbacks this year as doing that. You know, if there ever was a time to ascend, it's now, right? Because yeah. all these rosters are inflated, but Arkansas's got, I think, a steadiness about their lineup that not many teams have in terms of, one through nine, the infield, the pitching staff, if it all comes together. And right. like I said, I had trouble after one through three. So if you're fourth in the SEC, you're 
nine, ten, eleven right. in the national seating. Yeah, so there's always there's always a team that you're not thinking about that's going to be that you're thinking is going to be middle of the pack in the conference that is going to either schedule wise or just getting some big wins, knocking off some teams on Sunday to avoid a sweep maybe or to finish off a two one that are going to be able to just be consistently able to get themselves up. And I think Arkansas can be that team this year. All right, Tom, finish us off. Number five, your fifth slot. Who is it? Well, I mean, Missouri. I love it. (laughs) I mean, how can you not be sold on Missouri after listening to Larissa Anderson? I know that much. I think she's going to be, I think they had the mentality of, you know, the spoiler mentality last year. But this year, knowing that there is a, there's a medal, there's a goal at the end of the of the tunnel. I think that'll bring them even more together. And I, I just, I really think that they can be that team. That they were already the team you didn't want to play, but now they have something to play for, and right. you don't want to play them, and you don't want to play them. So look out. Love it. I've got two teams on the outside. One is Mississippi State. One I was is say Tennessee. Mississippi State is right there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Mississippi State is the team I think I'm going to latch on to as maybe the dark horse of the whole thing. But my fifth team is Missouri. Yeah. There you go. I think you hit the nail on the head. They learned last year we are playing for the love of the game. We are playing because we love this sport. They bought in and now they get to buy in with already a really good roster with a chance to do something special. The only thing that made me question them is the same thing I asked Larissa in whatever episode that was, episode two, (laughs) and that was the pitching staff. You cannot win this conference pitching by committee. I I firmly believe that. You've got to have a a great number one or at least a really good number one and then people to complement that. If you've got everybody pitching three or four innings, I'm not sure that wins in today's landscape of college softball. So I'm cautious But I think offensively, this is a Missouri team that could set the world on fire. And it's because of that, as well as believing in my friend and volunteer assistant, Michaela Transu, I think Missouri will be a top five team in 2021. There you go. Yeah, I was going to say that I thought Mississippi State and Tennessee are right there. And then, but I think there's no, there's no team that you can just roll out the helmets and beat. Whoever finishes 13th, 12th in this league is going to have some good wins on the year again i don't know what the you know the the tournament's going to look like uh but if we have a tournament where there's 64 teams in it this could be another year where all 13 make it yep i can i could definitely see that being the case georgia is going to make a cataclysmic drop (laughs) they're not number two in my in my projections (laughs) good 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 call but i think they're still going to be good i know i still believe in mary wilson avant (laughs) yeah and hey, if if she does, you know, if she becomes, if she does what Brittany Gray did, they could make, be right there. I mean, I had nine teams on the short list, and Georgia and Arkansas were crossed off first. I just, I can't do it to Arkansas. I can't. I bought him once. I, I, I don't want to hurt. I, I don't want to hurt Courtney Diefel. <laughs> right, and I never have. So maybe, maybe I, maybe there's a reverse curse that I can bring to Coach Diefel. You do better at these things than I do historically. So, uh, all right, you get, you get attached to people, and see that that's that's what you do. And I, it's not a fault. I, I'm not faulting you for it. I think you it makes a big, us a good team. You have a big heart, and you know, and I and there's me. 
So, you know, it works out well. <laughs> the numbers guy and the feelings right. guy. That's how this works. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That is softball media days. We did it, Tom. Woo. We got all 13. Never been done. Break down the tables and chairs, close off the meeting room. We did all 13. Folks, we will be celebrating this weekend at, I think, Little Dewey's. So, Little Dewey's, we're going to tag you. Be prepared. We will celebrate either this weekend or the next, or at least sometime in between. In the next two weeks, we will come to Starkville and go to Little Dewey's and get some desserts from my TV partner, Sydney Little John. I'm very much looking forward to it. Yes. Future of the podcast, weekly episodes in the 2021 season. Until then, peace out, folks. We have put together four episodes over two weeks with all the content you could want. If you need any softball, anything, go listen to those episodes. If something with scheduling comes out, we might do an emergency podcast and break that down and and what that could look like. But currently, the plan is we are off until the season begins, whenever that could be. I'm looking forward to whenever that is because uh, I think that there's nothing that we need at this point more than to have some normalcy and have a, have a softball season. Hopefully it's as close to what a regular season is. Uh, certainly understand if there is need because of health and safety. It's like one of the things that coach Strachel said was, you know, we want, we want to be able to play as much as we can, but obviously health and safety is number one. I do not see a for, I do not foresee a situation where we're not playing softball at all. So that's the most important thing. Games will be played. Things will happen. Hopefully a champion will be crowned and uh, we plan on being there. Podcast episodes will be recorded. Yes. No matter how it happens in a studio over Zoom, however we got to do it, we'll do it. And uh, hopefully everyone will enjoy it. Yeah, we've got all the segments coming back. Tom's hungry. All name team. Off, <laughs> off the wall. The wall. <laughs> I'm off. making an off-season list. At this point, is it? I mean... Does anything count as being off the wall the way things have gone at this point? Yes. People, stop asking for the schedule. (laughs) We're not hiding it from you. We promise. It's not like it's in my back pocket and I don't (laughs) want people to know. Nathan Sheehan does not want people to know when Alabama is going to be playing. As soon as we know, y'all will know, I promise. You heard Jamie Traxel. The schedule's ready. We just don't know if we can release it because we don't know if we will be playing those games. So there's your answer. We've talked about the frustrating things. Nothing would be more frustrating than releasing a schedule and then having to change it two weeks later. Yeah, I would rather that, just that's wait. Thing. Yeah, that's, so that's what we're doing. We don't know. We've already seen people say that you know no, no fans are going to be allowed or something. We don't know that. We don't know what the plan is going to be. We don't know what it's going to be like in February or March. Let's everyone just calm down. Things don't happen in, in a microwave. You, gotta, you just got to wait. Yes, as Taylor Swift once said, you need to calm down. And I think that uh, that lyric itself really personifies the off the wall segment. So people yeah. chill. And, right. And to just show the age gap, I will say, as Tom Petty said, the waiting is the hardest part. Yes. Tom Petty and Taylor Swift, a duet <laughs> that I would enjoy if we had uh, that going. Uh, All right, Tom, let's say some thank yous, please. You have the floor. Thank everyone, uh, Tom. Yes. Uh, well, thank you, first of all, to everyone who is is listening, who has uh, checked us out maybe for the first time. We appreciate also all the sports information directors and people, media relations with all the teams. Uh, most of them have also retweeted or tagged us in uh, social media posts uh, advertising their coach being on. 
so hopefully that has brought in some new listeners. If you are a new listener, we appreciate you listening in. Hope you like some Alabama stuff because that's what's coming later on. And just be aware, not all episodes will be this long because this no. is four coaching interviews. <laughs> right. So we certainly understand if you have split it up and are taking it day by day and, and not listening to the thing at one time. That's how these are meant to do. You can come back and listen to them later. That's fine. We're come cool. back in the next month. That's literally yeah. the point. This is it until the season starts. <laughs> yes. I would like to thank, first of all, you, Tom, for, again, as per usual, going along with my crazy idea. <laughs> I pitched these things and you're like, okay, sure. Yeah, sounds good to me. <laughs> so thank no. you to you, <laughs> and, uh, thank and for, you. Uh, for hopping on these uh, Zooms and phone calls at crazy hours during the day uh, because you had a lot going on with soccer and football and everything else. So we, we yeah. had to somehow make it work and we were able to be on 11 of the 13 interviews together. So thank you to you, Tom, for being a good partner during all this. Oh, absolutely. And I said, thank you for helping get it all set up. Like I say it was, it was pretty much all you talking to the people and getting everything scheduled and coming up with this idea. It's a great idea and uh, hopefully something we can continue moving forward. Yes. And thank you to all those people. A lot of the SIDs got back in two days after I sent the initial email. We had our first coaching interview scheduled the night I sent my first email with Larissa Anderson. Amazing. Thank you to all the SIDs. Thank you to the coaches for being okay with this. Thank you to all the softball people who have promoted this. Uh, Justin's World of Softball wrote a really cool article about us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Justin. So thanks, everybody. It was really fun. Tom, we're off the air for a while until the season comes around, unless something insane happens. Where can people find you in the meantime? Uh, I'm always on the Twitter machine at T Canterbury, R-T-R, that's C-A-N-T-E-R. B-U-R-Y-R-T-R. And uh, if I know anything, I'll let you know. That's all I can tell you. If we know anything, we'll podcast about it when the time comes. If something happens, pay attention to the feed. That's why you subscribe. You can follow me at Gray, G-R-A-Y underscore Robertson. Follow the podcast at OutOfTheBox underscore pod. Like, subscribe, leave a review. Tell us what you liked about Media Days so that we can make changes in the future. Tell us maybe other coaches you want to hear from, not necessarily in the preseason, but maybe during the season if we can do that, or, or just at any time, let us know other coaches you would like to hear on the podcast. For now, Tom, we did it. Yes. We did it. Uh, cheers to you, pal. <laughs> Back at you. Time to get a, get a little Dewey sandwich on. Yes. Softball Media Days is finished. We could not have completed this huge project, as we said, without all the SIDs around the Southeastern Conference, of course, the coaches as well. Everybody was eager to work with us. We're so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Tom, what fun. We've uh, we've got a little yeah. bit of time, but uh, the season's just around the corner. I wish I could go to sleep and wake up tomorrow and it was opening day. <laughs> Me too. We don't know what 2021 will look like, but... Whatever happens, we'll be there with our stickers, our koozies, and our shirts, and ready to go. Let's go. (laughs) So for my partner, Tom Canterbury, I'm Gray Robertson saying so long. Thank you so much for going on this Softball Media Days journey with us. It was a blast, and we cannot wait for the 2021 season to start. I get chills just saying that. Stay safe, folks. We'll see you next time on the Out of the Box Podcast.